Let's try the pop. Hello, faithful listener, and welcome to A Kettle and Some String, where we take a random trip through all the Doctor's adventures in time and space. I'm Dave, and my guest tonight, I'm delighted to welcome Mr. Dan Pinn. How are you doing, Dan? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Where's the randomizer sent us to tonight, Dan? Well, tonight... We're going back in time to the 1970s, and we're going to do Doctor Who and the Android Invasion. Yes, we're going to a quaint little English village, or is it? As we'll find out. bit of background to this one is uh, apparently Terry Nation had been working on Survivors, but he had a falling out with the producer, Terence Dudley, who's a name we all know about. I'm not a fan of Terence Dudley's Doctor Who stories. I, I don't know how what you think of them, but... Mm, no, <laughs> they're, not, they're not the greatest. <laughs> no, nah, but so he was producing Survivors and Teddy Nation fell out with him. So he thought, right, okay, instead I'll novelise Survivors and then write more Doctor Who, please. So, so Robert Holmes and Philip Hitchcliffe wanted a new story and they wanted a story with a new race of villains because they thought, well, we might bring them back. Unfortunately, as we'll find out, the Krals that are the villains in this didn't come back, or certainly not on the TV. Came back in an audio later on, which I've not listened to, but no. um, have you? No, no, I, I didn't, didn't even know they had. I, 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 I cherry-pick Big Finish. I, 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 oh, I, I do as I well. There's producing so much now, it's just... I restrict myself to one a month now if I want to get one. But yeah, yeah. they came back and um, it was a two-parter with... I think it was with Leela and Tom, I think. Oh, right. Or was it Mary Tom? I think it was Leela. Um, but apparently they weren't that great, as long as the reviews are read. So. But they did come back. I think they got the same um, the guy to voice them. But no, I've not listened to them. And Terry Nation was paid a high fee on the scripts. So I'm assuming because he was quite a well-known writer, they thought, well, give him a bit more money than perhaps would other people um, as a favour. But they did advise him that they would pay extra if rewrites were required. So, so he's on Survivors, and then he's had a bit of falling out, and he's came back to Doctor Who. Yeah, because that's quite strange. Because didn't didn't he create Survivors? Wasn't that? Yeah, was, yeah, he did. Yeah, and, and then he fell out with someone. Series, and... I think. Oh right, but then didn't do any of the the rest. Because wow, I don't think he did. I, I'm, I'm I've actually never seen Survivors. I, I know Big Finish have done it. And I've heard there was a freebie. Now, Big Finish give away the freebie episodes. Mm. And they gave away the first episode of the first series as a freebie. And I've got that on the uh, the phone, I think. And that was just brilliant. But I've never listened to the rest of it or know what the story was. Or, but I think he'd done the first series and then he, he dropped out. So I don't know who wrote the rest. If he wrote them and maybe he mm. never had as much creative control or... I'm not yeah. sure, but Terence Dudley took over as producer and apparently they just didn't get on. Ah, right. Okay, fair enough. If it's anything like Terence Dudley's Doctor Who, probably 
I can understand. <laughs> yeah. A, a new storyline was accepted by from Terry Nation called The Kraals. So it was inspired by the idea of espionage training centres in countries where agents were coached to the extent that KGB agents could infiltrate a community as a sleeper. So this was this Cold War sort of idea that the Russians and the Soviet Union were, you know, putting spies into the country and, and all this. So that's where he's got sort of his idea from. But this season is really, really famous, of course, for pastiche and horror movies. And this one's Vasia mm. the Body Slanters, isn't it? It's just yeah, this whole who's who thing. And the other thing mm. with Terry Nation's script was that there was too much filming, and so he had to it had to get revised. So he put too many sets in and too much filming. Apparently, he always done this because he was more a film writer, really. It seemed like Terry he had a big sort of action sort of background didn't he yes yeah he did yeah and 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 i suppose because a lot lot other than doctor who a lot of what he wrote was his were for his own shows as well weren't they sort of thing so i suppose he would have quite a lot of creative control over that whereas with doctor who it, it it's not his his baby it's someone else's is uh you know holding the purse strings so yeah i'm not surprised yeah he was famous wasn't he for kind of sending two pages of script to the script editor and saying here's the storyline but on you go, you write the script, you, you, <laughs> or write the first two pages or something, and then say, right, over to you. <laughs> Job done. Job, Job done. done. <laughs> um, behind the scenes, Tom and Liz didn't like the script, um, and they had to rewrite a lot of it and ad-lib a lot of the dialogue, so apparently, yeah, they didn't like the, the dialogue he wrote for them. I, I was wondering that when, when, when I was watching it, because there's lots of nice little sort of interchange of of. of dialogue between um the doctor and sarah jane and uh you, you i know I, some of it you're going i don't reckon that was scripted that was that was something that they've 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 concocted between them in in, in rehearsals and added it in kind of thing you could kind of uh because it feels very very tom baker some of it doesn't it does it, it really yeah. does it like the moment um when they leave the tardis and they're talking about it's just you just couldn't imagine terry Nation writing some of it no, or, or it could be Robert Holmes, I suppose. But yeah, I know what you mean. There's a lot of moments where you're like, "Nah, they've worked that out in rehearsal." Because because it was that, that that same scene, isn't it, where um the Doctor says, "Mind that bramble," and and Sarah walks into it and goes, "Ow!" And he goes, "Well, I did say mind that bramble," sort of thing. And that just is uh, brilliant. Ian Matter wasn't happy either. Uh, he had been reduced to a unit soldier, he said, and he didn't mm. like it. And John yeah. Levine wasn't happy either because. Nick Courtney wasn't there, so him and Nick Courtney had came back for Terra des Igons, of course, at the start of the season. They didn't like that story, and so he obviously got asked back again, and he was probably thinking, well, Nick's not here. Uh, Yates and that's obviously not here either. He's probably thinking, why am I here? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. it's a strange one to bring him yeah, back. Yeah, because it, 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 I mean, it is classified as a unit story, but, but yeah. it's not, is it really? Because you you've only got like John Levine there as Benton so you know it needs it needs to have the brigadier in it you know and uh and obviously you know with with um Harry Sullivan isn't it although he was sort of seconded to unit he wasn't he never really felt like he was proper unit he was you know just someone yeah. that really hacked on to it like um he seemed like the doctor that would come in like for a site visit or something he never felt like he was 
you know, went through the unit training and all that. I don't know, maybe that's just me, but he just seemed to be like, he wasn't fully in that. He was there, but on the site in robot, but he never seemed to me like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, that's just well, how I felt. But Well, even like with this story, he's um, he's dressed in his uh, naval uniform, isn't he? Rather than yeah. an actual sort of unit, uh, you know, battle fatigues or whatever everyone's wearing, you know, kind of thing. But um, yeah, you know, sort of thing. So you kind of you kind of understand why they weren't that chuffed with with the script kind of thing because it wasn't there wasn't a great deal for either of them to do. No, they're both um, totally underused in this. As well, yeah. we'll go through it. But and of course, they probably. I think John Levine obviously thought. Well, Tom, he always does the famous story that Tom didn't want us there. So he's probably thinking, well, unit's going to be going. So he's probably looking at every story as, is this the last one? <laughs> and Ian Martyr, I can understand, because he obviously got quite a decent, if he had just left in Terra the Zygons, I mean, it's not the most brilliant exit, but he has quite a nice moment at the end of that story where he says, no, 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 I'm just going to stick to British Real Doctor. Or, mm. And mm. that could have been it. But they bring him back, but for really to do not that much, yeah, it is a strange one. And and because over the course of the story, the majority of the uh, of, of the part that he's playing is 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 a duplicate, isn't it? Of, of, yeah. of Harry Sullivan. It's not. So actually really playing, Harry. Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom Baker also had a bit of a, a time on this one. He had a sore throat, and then he swallowed the pond water and needed <laughs> his stomach pumped. So he has a scene where he's hiding from the androids and the dogs, goes under the water. And then you see him obviously spitting out the water. That was real. He, he's... <laughs> yeah, it was it's stagnant water, wasn't it? I think. Kind of, but yeah, man, that sounds absolutely. It must have been grim that water to to need your stomach pumped. I uh, I mean, I was uh, checking out the Tom Baker years tape to see what he said about this one, and he says, um, <laughs> "In typical Tom, he said." Um, well, I'm still not. I'm still afraid of water. I'm a very timid washer, actually. I still can't swim. <laughs> Terry Walsh had a minor injury as well. He, when he leaps from the centre roof, he injured himself on, on that bit. I, I'm not surprised to be honest, because that was one thing I noticed that the the physical stunts in this, uh, the, there's a lot going on, like people jumping through windows and hurling themselves across rooms and what have you in the fights and what have you. and and. You know, I mean, really, really putting gusto into it and, and giving it their all. So, yeah, it, it's not surprising that, you know, the, the stuntman was uh, was injured. I mean, the camera's obviously pointing up, I think, when you see him jump, but it does look a hell of a height to jump from the camera angle. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, of course, there's the fight scenes at the end mm. where one of them does it. There's like a kung fu sort of move where it goes, he flips right over. I might have been yeah. sure fell, I can't remember, but. In the um, in the sort of uh, space tracking room, isn't it? When yeah. when the Doctor and his duplicate have that fight, man alive! The the duplicate just launches across that room, and it's like wow, you know that's <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty impressive for nineteen seventies Doctor Who, you know, kind of thing. But, Definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. The building that posed as the centre was so new that it hadn't even opened yet. Oh really? So yeah, the exterior of the um, the building. Hmm. There was a good atmosphere, despite all those problems. So there was a good atmosphere on this <laughs> on the shoot. The, in the village, there was hundreds of school children 
because it was the school holidays, so they all descended on the village. Um, and Tom Baker apparently took wild seeds from the village to plant in his Notting Hill, London home where he lived. Obviously, that's where he lived, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to help suburban London bloom, apparently, is what he said to them. Oh. I, I should imagine he was in his element with all them kids being there. Cause, cause oh, he, yeah. He loved that, didn't he, playing up to the... Uh to the children and being this 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 hero that yeah. pub must be so famous i know um so like joe ford and and so on have visited it, it they didn't even change the name in the story it's, yeah. it is the actual lady for the lease and it still is yeah. today so yeah. that pub must get you know like hundreds of dope three fans going in asking for ginger pop and that and really <laughs> It does seem that way. It does. I I kind of like feel a bit left out. Like I must be the only Doctor Who fan that's never visited that that village. Well, I'm not either. <laughs> well, but you and me both then. <laughs> Being up in Scotland, um, oh no, everywhere's too far away. Like they always have all the. Why do they never film up in Scotland? They always film <laughs> doing in London area and all that. It's too far away for me to go down and get all the locations well I, I, well I had that when I was growing up because I, I lived in the West Country, grew up in the West Country, and I think. Doctor Who was the only time they filmed Doctor Who in, in Devon was uh, Sontaran Experiment, I think it was. So that oh, was yeah. the only location yeah. that was anywhere close to me. Um, there was a few in Dorset and what have you, but, but yeah. Have you been up to see the Dartmoor? Yeah, been, been to that one. And yeah, ventured across to, to Dorset where um, Lowerworth Cove, where they filmed uh, Curse of Fendrick as well. Oh, that was pretty so cool. Envious. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, oh god, that story is the one that terrified me as a kid. So yeah. I, I'd be brilliant to go to the location to that. There was somebody recently I saw on the Twitter that went to the church. There, I was very envious when I saw that. I thought, yeah. why is it never nearby here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the Android uh... Invasion was transmitted November to December 1975, and we've got Tom Baker, of course, as the Doctor. We've got Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane Smith. And we've got on the guest cast, Milton Jones plays Guy Crayford. So, of course, we've seen him before. He was uh, in The Enemy of the World. Yeah. And he's, the villain's name escapes me. Um, um, Be Bennett. Uh, ben Bennett. Bennett, yeah. yeah. And he was pretty evil in that. And this is more a very naive, <laughs> extremely naive, actually. Oh, Totally. They got him hooked like in sinker there with the gullibility, didn't they? <laughs> oh, God, when we get to that bit, and I you know what bit I'm talking about, my mm. God, I'm going to let rip, I'm afraid. Um... <laughs> that, feels, that feels like a massive elephant in the room all throughout this podcast. Absolutely. we get to it. <laughs> uh, Martin Freend plays Stigrin, and I didn't know this, but he was in Red Dwarf. And oh, really? also Only Fools and Horses. I'm trying to remember who he was in Red Dwarf when I looked up. Um I can't remember, uh, but in Only Fools and Horses, he was, it turned out, the guy that was like the mayor of the town when, one of the later episodes when they go to France for Uncle Albert's um, ceremony, and he was the mayor of the town, and I totally never knew that, when I saw a no. picture of it, I thought, oh my god, it is him, but yeah, he's well, in Red Dwarf, that's going to bug me now, who was he in Red Dwarf? Fraser Gregory or somebody out there who's listening, no doubt. People to tell me. Uh, we've got Patrick McNeil as Colonel Faraday. Mm -hmm. um, and I found it a great story about this guy. He was in the Avengers, but uh, in Carry On Sergeant, he was going to be one of the recruits. But what happened was he turned up 
And the sergeant who was going to take them through their paces, show them how to obviously march and all the rest of it, turned out that that guy was his sergeant in the army that made his life hell. So he turned around, got in his Rolls Royce and drove off. Yeah, they never saw him again. Yeah, they I, never I saw him again. that story. Yeah. But he was big in the Avengers, apparently. I've, I've never seen the Avengers. Uh, Sacrilege, I know. No, but... I've seen bits of it, but but not all of it. Um, but I, I, I was like, I recognise this guy, and I was like racking my brains how what what, what he was in, and it, it's a really silly thing, but he's in like a tiny tiny scene in the Young Ones with Rick Mel and Aid Edmondson. So okay. uh, it's the one where there's two guys on a on a raft holidaying in in their basement, and uh, yeah, he's he's one of the he's 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 one of the the guys there that's sort of holidaying under this uh, this light bulb. Brilliant under the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was it took ages for me to think. Oh, what's he been in? I've seen him. I know him. I'm sure he's been in umpteen other things. I do that. He's oh. one of these faces. I recognise him, but there'll be something else I think I've seen him in, but I can't even think what it is. He's, he has got one of the faces mm. that pops up. I'll, you find that way a lot with these Doctor Who guest characters. That's how they always, they're in everyone. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the 70s, they all seem to have popped up in like um, Jason King or something, you know. Yeah, the, the Sweeney and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got Peter Welch as Morgan, the barman, or the landlord, I should say. And of course, he was in the Highlanders as the sergeant, I think. Really? Yeah, he was in the Highlanders. He's in one of the censor clips because he's, he's the one that goes, take the strain, and they put oh. their feet up. That's, that's him. No, I, I had no idea. I, yeah. We've got no. Roy Skelton as Chidaki, who's, yeah. oh, I love this. I love that character. But of course, he was. Uh, Voice of the Daleks and was in Planet of the Daleks as Wester. Yes, yeah. And he's back. And Zippy from from Rainbow as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think voice. he's got a similar voice to, to, to Zippy in this one. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, Jack is a brilliant character. Um, and we've got, of course, as discussed, Ian Martyr and John Levine are back as Harry Sullivan. And it's RSN Benton this time, not Sergeant Benton. He's, mm. he's been promoted in the Tom Baker years. Uh, when was the first time you saw this one, Dan? Yeah, well, well, I I believe the first time I saw clips from it would have been the the Tom Baker years. Uh, so was, was ninety two. Yeah. Um, but then um, after that, then obviously the 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 VHS relate release um, sort of the mid mid nineties. Um, that would have been the first time that I saw it in its entirety. But. Um, yeah, because I it's, it's, it was also one of those. It's one of those video covers that kind of sticks in my mind as well. By by, oh, uh, that, that, I think Howard. it was another Colin Howard one. I loved yeah, his covers. Yeah. That lovely sort of golden yellow, you know, kind of with yes. the doctor, um, you know, uh, tied to the to that monument. Yeah, really good stuff. That scene on the Tom Baker's tape, I always thought was very moody. The, you know, the the scene is is of the one where Sarah goes back to the TARDIS. And then the doctor appears, but it turns out to be the android doctor. Yeah. And there's a the music of it. I always thought that was a really moody scene, so I was really glad that it was only a couple of years later that that one came out because I wanted to see what on earth what happened next. Because of course, no, the thing on when you saw the eclipse was you didn't know what happened next unless you had got the video. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was that was that was the thing, wasn't it? Because it took ages for all of those videos to come out. 
but oh, here yeah, we were, we're, we're getting these, you know, all these clips from that, you know, on that Tom Baker's years, and oh, I really want to see that one, really want to see what happens. But I totally like that one. I think one the tape, you know how some of them he was like, uh, I don't remember a thing about this, <laughs> but this one he seemed to remember quite a bit and said, oh, I like that spooky mm. stuff, and Liz was great playing a villain and all that. Because he also, because doesn't he tell the story about the the um, the sore throat where he's got the husky voice, which is the, yeah. the stagnant the stagnant water as well, isn't it? But, yeah. Uh, yeah. He had a bit more memory on this one than I said some of the others. <laughs> Something terrible happened to him, yeah. The other thing about this story that I, I, I like is that I actually nicked the premise because when I was doing a dissertation in my higher grade, I remember thinking, I've got to think of a story. And I thought of the android invasion and wrote a story about walking into a village where everyone was an android and I totally nicked it from, from Doctor Who <laughs> because I thought they're not going to have watched that surely the examiners uh, and I got away with it so but I literally just took the plot of, uh, of this first episode and put it into a story well, well that was what Philip Hinchcliffe and uh, Robert Holmes was doing pretty much wasn't it they yeah. were, you know oh Frankenstein's monster okay bring them all of you <laughs> yeah you know. they were doing it on um, every story you're right yeah yeah that, that was you know it was sort of like just you know they were just like recycling all of these great sci-fi and horror concepts from films weren't they in books yeah, yeah. i don't think they missed any out either <laughs> can't they think uh, they don't know the classics that's for sure uh yeah. dr jekyll and mr hyde they done frankenstein they done um triffids uh, i suppose would be triffids, season, season doom, yeah you know i just pretty much of course uh, the mummy uh yeah pyramids of mars yeah yeah and then um, wasn't wasn't planet planet of evil wasn't that based on forbidden planet the film forbidden planet yeah the monster in it the, the mm, you know the yeah. outline monster i'm sorry <laughs> the, red, <laughs> the red outline monster yeah. yeah yeah so let's just get right into it um so okay. start of episode one we have this shot of a soldier marching through the wood with his twitching right arm and that's Malx faulkner who was, of mm. course, another one of the um, stunt guys. And this is just a really eerie opening where, like, you've got a beautiful location, you've got the eerie music, he's got the twitch going on. Um, right away, and I think this episode, to be honest, is one of the best episode ones in all of Doctor Who. Uh, there's very few Doctor Whos that have a bad episode one, but yeah. I think this is one of the best. Uh, just the mystery in it. And, and also the fact, because um, he's wearing, like, a unit uniform as well um you know yeah. and we, we we're so comfortable with the fact that unit is safe unit protects and all this sort of thing but there's you know what, what what's going on with this guy you know um yeah and like you say that um the the way he's sort of twitching and and what have you it's uh you know it's really quite creepy um yeah the tardis lands and sarah's happy to be back um <laughs> And then we have the whole thing, this great scene about um, the doctor drinks ginger pop and he loves it. But Sarah says, oh, can't stand this stuff. And of course, that's a big plot point later on. Yeah. Um, I took that one away for later. <laughs> <laughs> now, this yeah. coat he's wearing, the, the doctor's coat in this, I think this is my favourite Tom Baker coat, this this more white or grey jacket. Yeah, um, no. Because I that was one thing I was thinking when I first started watching it, because... He, he, obviously he was the doctor for such a long time so he had all those different variations of of of, of his coats and waistcoats and even scarves and everything kind of but yeah, yeah 
I really like this one. It's sort of that sort of grey, sort of tweed kind of, you know, woolen kind of look to it. It, it really suits him. I, yeah, yeah, I had this in. I don't know if this was the jacket that was in the Eleven Doctors, like, figurine set. But if it wasn't, then I went and got one that was specifically this coat because I did like the coat <laughs> that it was wearing. I can't remember if, what coat he's wearing in the Eleven set, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've got the uh, I've got the the one from Seeds of Seeds of Doom, and it and it yeah it's it's um, yeah I'm just looking over my shoulder and it's yeah I might it might well similar. be the same one then, but yeah. I, I remember thinking it better be that coat because that's the one I really <laughs> liked. Elizabeth Sladen just looks adorable with this hat and scarf number. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just her chemistry. They just they're like a well-oiled machine by now. They've been going at it for season and a half by now, and they've just. They're just great yeah. together, aren't they? It's... it's just seamless, isn't it? And and you know, and I mean, we were sort of saying about those sort of things that we believe to be quite ad-libbed, you know, kind of thing. But they just, they just, they they must be because they do seem so natural. And so you you can yeah. you, you can you know just close your eyes and you can you you can hear the way that they're saying it, the way that they look. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's. It is phenomenal, you know. Even that sort of um, what is it like the the mini miny mo bit where they're trying to decide yeah. which way they're going, and then <laughs> the doctor says, "Well, it could have been fee five fo fum," and uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just brilliant. They're just so good together. It's when really. he says as well about that it needs a five hundred year old service about the TARDIS <laughs> and things like that. There's there's more oddness going on as well because um, the ground is bone dry, but it's got the smell of after a rain shower so that's another clue that something's not quite right here yeah yeah and and, and is, is, is that at this point the doctor says well it has to be earth because they don't no one else know where acorns don't grow anywhere else yes. yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah you know so it is it's it's really kind of stirring that that mystery mystery <laughs> pot which which i think we, the, the first two episodes is just really good at, at kind of just it's just layering up that that mystery that this is normal, yeah. but it's not quite normal. And you know, what what is going on? I mean, if this, I mean, I think it's one of the best ones, as I said. But imagine if the rest of the story was missing. Say, if this was the only episode that existed, my God, you'd be it'd be such a just an isolated, good isolated piece. But, but the thing is, this is this is a story I I've always really really enjoyed. Um, but but it, it it's one of it, it it's hindered, isn't it, by the fact that it's stuck between like pyramids of Mars and brain of Morbius, and uh, you've got the the seeds of doom. So it's a really really strong season, and I suppose this one and Planet of Evil probably looked as the 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 lesser ones of that season. But yeah. if you were to put them in 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 seasons that weren't quite as strong as this, then they'd be probably standing quite quite tall with the best of those. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they go off exploring, and then we see the four figures in hazard suits, and they get shot at, with, and they've got guns in their fingers. So it's not guns in their wrists like the other ones; they've got guns in their fingers. Well, well, that was that was one thing I was going to say because because I'm pretty sure when when I watched it in in '95 first time, I I was thinking. Oh, are these autons? Because, because it, because it, you know, you've got the 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 weapon in the hand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, kind of thing. But obviously, as the time went on, it it, it definitely wasn't them. But but it was <laughs> uh, certainly put that in my head. 
are these guys autons, you know? But yeah. They've just got this blank, obviously, this mask, and they've got they just look really creepy. There's the four of them just standing there. And he says, Hello there. <laughs> and 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 again and again, because going back to that sort of like you've got that beautiful British countryside as well. Oh yeah, the location's beautiful in this. And place. and then you've got these these four uh you know like like you say white suited characters with these these blank helmets on and it, it's sort of like they just feel so odd like they, they definitely shouldn't be there and again it's adding to that kind of the the, the mystery of, of the story and what have you but yeah it's really good stuff sarah jane unfortunately then falls so <laughs> we've got it's not as bad as our five doctors one where it was a <laughs> little incline and it then she needed a you know, a forklift truck basically to get her, get the doctor thrown her a, a rope. <laughs> um, yeah. But she has a, a fall over the, the cliff and a speed yeah. up top. Or, or, or slope, <laughs> steep slope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really a cliff. Like you say, uh, you know, along the lines of what happened in the five doctors. But uh, yeah, and and it's it's really weird because you, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it doesn't actually add to the to the plot it's it feels really quite unnecessary as well doesn't it you know the, yeah I, I mean yeah <laughs> it just, I was like it's really odd why why did they need to do that it's the, a thing of uh, the, the old series like I think Terence Dick said it was like uh, he liked the companions to be like the perils of Pauline uh, mm. stuck to the train track and she gets rescued and you notice that now more than ever, because of course in the modern series and nowadays you wouldn't be able to have like a, a companion that's just getting into scrapes every two minutes. And because folk would obviously rightly say, well, they're making women look silly and, and things like that. Um, mm. But in the old series, practically every story, <laughs> something like this happens where, you know, they, they oh my God, you know, I never saw that hill there or whatever. Well, it's, I, I know like one of your, previous podcast there was the planet of daleks you and mark were talking about yeah. terry nation bingo and that that was that, i kind of was playing that as as i, as I was yes. this. and that's that's one of his things isn't it because like you know a, a companion tripping up and hurting their ankle that's that, that feels very terry nation you know so it's something that that he would write for susan to do you know and uh but 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 I think it, it's really weird when it's Sarah Jane because like only the previous story she was kind of like firing a rifle at, at mummies and stuff you know yeah and she's and, far more she's probably the most like well it's she was created because of the women's love thing and everything mm. of course so she's probably the most independent and strong female companion certainly up to this point in fact yeah. I think probably ever but yeah. arguably but um but yeah it's just yeah it just seems like a a detour for nothing just oh we'll have a minute where she's fell and she needs to get rescued and the doctor's even talking about something while they're trying to escape so I like the moment where so they're trying to escape from these guys and then still he's like oh wait a minute what like just get behind this pod for god's sake you know <laughs> we're getting shot at because they go behind this pod and then he, I like how he, he just then pops his his head around and he gets shot at yeah it <laughs> he goes oh Something seems to have annoyed them or something like that. Isn't it? it's like, yeah. So they see Max Faulkner, or the soldier, sorry, Faulty's death. Yeah. Which yeah. is quite shocking. Um, it's, I like how it's obviously in slow motion. Mm. 
Um, and then we have the this, the mystery deepening even more because they find coins in his pocket that are all the same year and are newly minted, which is really freaky. Like, what on earth is going on here? Yeah, I think it's like I was saying, you know, you can, the, 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 it's really good that the way that they're sort of slowly building up those those layers of mystery, you know, building up this big picture of like this, you know, this may look normal on the outside, but but it really isn't, you know, and, and that, that, yeah, it's really good how they, they keep doing that. But then, uh... Dan, we're in Divsham. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah says they're in Divsham. Uh, because she'd done a story there with the Space Defence Station nearby. And the Doctor, of course, thinks, well, I wonder if it's been evacuated then, if these guys are just shooting at us because we there's a disease or something going on, which seems a rational sort of explanation. Yeah. Um, and that's when we see the, the cross in the village. The village just looks beautiful. Um, mm. And they obviously saw that cross and went, right, we're using that. Yeah, and I think for me, because because I I grew up in 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 and around villages that look like this, I think that's why I really like this story because I, I I just love it. You know, Doctor Who was coming to to an area like where I grew up. You know, yeah. and uh, I think that's why I like I, I like the demons and I, and I like the awakening because they they've kind of got that uh, quaint village countryside kind of vibe to them kind of thing and uh yeah yeah but i mean it does it does look stunning you can understand why they go yeah that's the location we need that's for location yeah definitely yeah. yeah let's try the pub <laughs> man so... alive does he say that with relish tom doesn't he you know oh let's try the pub real life <laughs> people and i suspect he probably had a few real pints in that pub <laughs> yeah. on the on the shoot no, the pub looks amazing on the inside i mean i know that obviously it's not the real inside of the pub i mean you can see that on the dvd the the real what the inside actually does look like yeah. um i was a bit disappointed when i found out that it wasn't the real pub because i thought yeah. oh i thought they would have taken advantage but um but no the real pub looks amazing and this i think for me this is the i love this scene i think it's really really slow burning um and i really love it it's so you've got half drunk drinks on the table you've got the coins again he finds in the Till, yeah, and see, and again they're talking about right. Well, is there maybe radiation sickness or something? And that's that line that she says, walking like a couple of nanos. I think is total Liz. That's never been in the script. No, no, because and also was it what's the word she uses to describe the story? A, a brouhaha or something? Is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, uh -huh. yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, that that kind of feels like it's kind of. Come come elsewhere from than the script writer, I think. But uh... this scene is just totally oh, it's just. And then of course they look out the window and see that the soldiers alive, that there's villagers arriving on a on a on a truck. They all go into the the pub. They stand in position, and then they just sit. They just stand or sit there for ages mm. until the clock chimes, yeah, and just, suddenly yeah. they come to life. I and mean, that is just brilliantly done. Yes. And, if you were watching that in 1975, you must have just been thinking by this point, like totally sucked in. Like, yeah. Oh, if, yeah. You know what? What? What the hell is going on here? You know, it. it yeah. It's. Yeah, you just, you just, yeah. It, it would, it would totally just, you know, go. Oh, yeah, I've got to keep watching this. 
It's when the two of them peek their head through the door as well as adorable when they they, they, they just peek out like and they're like, okay, what is what, it's a common thing that they're saying by this point is what the hell's going on, Sarah? Um, so he's he buggers off to the space station and says, oh, you just stay here and watch them. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah. though, she's found, and it's that <laughs> all the feet. That's brilliant. How Barry Letts just has a close up at all the faces looking at her. Yeah. It's funny though. I've 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 been in pubs like that where you walk in and they uh, oh I have as well. Stops. There's a pub in Edinburgh where it's it's no longer any there, but it's quite a rough place. It's got a um, you can play snooker on the upstairs, uh-huh. or you could before it shut down. But I done this stupid thing one time of going in through the downstairs where the pub was, and yeah, it was literally like that. Like it was like I was in the middle of the Wild West and I was. <laughs> a new face what are you doing here stranger sort of sort of thing everyone just turned around and there was two old men fighting over a domino game it was just really weird <laughs> what's yeah. going on <laughs> yeah but the faces are just oh and Sarah I like Sarah in this scene because she tries to find out what's going on and uses her investigative journalist skills mm. and she has the brilliant closing line when she goes out of it's a, you're so soon here after breaking your neck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's brilliant, that is. Because um, I like the landlord, uh, that Morgan guy. He's just like, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be here, miss. And uh, it's... Yeah, are, are they, they part of the well. yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the extracting in Doctor Who can be quite variable, but I, I was... I think all the extras in this in this scene just, they, play, they go with it. Yeah. You know, it, it really sells it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've, they've, yeah, they, they really understand what they, what they're trying to do in this. Um, yeah, and it comes across really, really well. Um, yeah, and again, it's, it's all adding to that. You know, what, what, what on earth is going on? You know, just because <laughs> it, it, it was, you know, it's such a, a natural setting, but everyone's behaving so unnatural. It's, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Sarah then sees the android face. Now, I don't know why the this one had his hood up, but that was quite convenient. Obviously, <laughs> but, uh, when she sees it, but we see that it's obviously got electronics and, oh, it's an android or a machine of some description. Um, and she goes to the TARDIS, so in another sort of twist is that the TARDIS goes away. She puts the key in the lock and yeah. it goes without her. So she thinks that it's gone. Um, yeah, and thinks, thinks the Doctor's scarpered without her, yeah. Left her behind. But it's just ups the stakes of uh, what's happening here. I mean, she's mm. stuck there with this oddness. She goes to one of the pods, though, and sees this guy that's in there. I was thinking, who is this guy? Who is the jacket man? Well, I, I, one, one, yeah, one thing that did puzzle me uh, was what what purpose are the pods serving at this point? Because obviously later on in the story, they're kind of the way that the androids come to work. But at this point, because it is like, like this testing ground, they're testing the androids. I don't understand what why there was the pod in the quarry, and now this pod next to in the forest next. Yeah, to the exactly. Quarry. It was a bit. It was it's a like bit extra strange. ones just hanging about. Like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep them in the pod. We can't. We'll move them to the spaceship at some point. But he's not involved in this round of the simulation. Or yeah, but it's and then the jacket man tries to strangle her. Why is it first instinct for this guy is <laughs> to strangle her? I don't know, but. Yeah, because because you would have thought 
they would know at this point that every, every, everyone that, that an android is going to meet will be another android or, or yeah. a crow. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. I've tried if, my, my theory was that this jacket man was like the local gangster or something. And he was, <laughs> just, he was going to get, you know, brought back to life later in the show if, if the simulation had carried on without the Doctor and Sarah interfering. I, it's, yeah. it's just this random man. And then he pops up later on. He, he pops up at one of the cliffhangers. And he's in the pod again. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. serious jacket man. Yeah. What is he doing? What's he doing so, in that pod? <laughs> then the doctor arrives at the space station and finds an eye patch man called mm. Crayford in the Briggs office. So he goes there, he sees Brigadier's name on the door. But unfortunately for him, it's not the Brigadier, it's some dude with an eye patch on. <laughs> yeah. I love I love that I love that bit where Tom Tom goes because he goes like hands up and all this sort of thing and that Tom goes wow they're the first friendly words I've heard <laughs> oh it's brilliant ah he's yeah. just been shot at up to now he's and yeah he's he's not had any words of any description <laughs> up to this point yeah ah, he's held at gunpoint and then he escapes from the roof only to be captured mm. again so I, I mean that's the thing I, I think all the way through it's littered with these quite quite impressive leaps and stunts isn't it. But uh, <laughs> and then you got when he gets recaptured, and he, he, isn't this the point where he goes, "Is that finger loaded or something?" Yeah, isn't it? yeah. And, uh, uh, Tom Baker in the Tom Baker's tape says, and then he nodded. So, like Dandroy didn't know Tom, but <laughs> we knew what you were meaning. Yeah, yeah. I don't know though why the soldier didn't react when it, so the doctor goes into the station. And he passes a, a soldier that's completely like as, as if he's been switched off. Then he mm. passes him and he starts to move, yeah. which I didn't quite understand. I thought, surely he should be alive, as it were, and right, stop, don't move, or he's switched off. But instead, he's kind of has this in the middle sort of, I'll just wait till he goes past and then, and then yeah. where does he go? Why does he not follow him? Why, you know, it's yeah, because it, everyone yeah. else is, is awake, all the other androids are alive apart from the ones in the pod. So, because, yeah, because the doctors kind of like asking him a, a shed load of questions isn't he and, and yeah. it's just not there's no response whatsoever it's just, it's just staring ahead and like you say as, as he walk as he walks away he kind of like turns his head to kind of like <laughs> stare at him it's yeah it's yeah it's another yeah it's another strange decision <laughs> there's quite but, yeah. a lot of them and things like that in this story um but i mean i was going to say who cares because it it's it builds up the mystery and it's brilliant but it, they don't make sense no no I, I, but I mean I think that's you know that that's the thing as Doctor Who fans isn't it you yeah. sometimes you've got to go yeah it doesn't make sense but I'm still enjoying this you know kind of thing that, that, that's, that's I'm looking forward to if time flight comes out soon because that one I'm literally going to I'm going to need therapy I think to try and figure out what an actual fact is going on in that story what does it what does it mean what is it <laughs> That the master is... just turning up, dressed, uh, and singing chanting songs, and there's no, there's no, no there's no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> you know, he, he just fancied dressing up. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> man alive, that that is a yeah, that's a story I haven't watched in a while. Time. Oh, flight. honestly, if you watch it, it does. I mean, as you say, with Doctor Who, you can't even think about it too deeply, or else it just some a lot of stories will fall apart. But that mm. one, literally, it, it's baffling. Just absolutely baffling what, what's going on. 
Well, it, I, it's one of those things, Lou, wasn't it? That they, John T, um, John Nathan Turner, he he wanted to put Concord in it, so he was because he was hoping for was it free tickets to get flights across to yeah to, to America or something, <laughs> but, uh, and that was the premise of of that story. We just need one with Concord in it. End of. <laughs> yeah, um, one of those ideas that should have just been left on the table and just not followed through with a script. Yeah. I love Tom's line, Butler, I'm partial to tea and muffins mm. when he's at gunpoint. <laughs> I think again Tom's put that in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we get towards the first clank hammer, so Sarah comes to rescue him, but he doesn't realise that she's observed. Mm. And there's this horrible face behind the looks like a communicator box. Yeah, yeah, like an intercom or something, isn't it? On the wall. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what Sarah's shoes are all about. They, did you notice their shoes? They look like Crocs, but yeah, they can't they be Crocs. They look like but, multicolored Crocs with, with spots on it. Yeah, but but they can't be, can they? Because <laughs> they didn't, well, maybe they didn't. I'm, I'm not aware that they have done know, But, but uh, yeah, I, I, they're just like, well, my God, Liz, what are these shoes you're wearing? But yeah, this face behind the comms, just yeah. this horrible rhino face. I, I like it when you get like a partial reveal like that. So I like it that you, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's the strongest cliffhanger, certainly not the strongest in it. I agree. Um, I don't think this is the strongest cliffhanger of the story, that's for sure. Uh, up to this point, we had no idea, uh, you know, who or what was behind all of this. Because uh, you, you kind of get the feeling it wasn't, it wasn't Guy, <laughs> Guy Craveford. He, no. he doesn't. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that he's the stooge rather than the uh, you know the brains behind it. Episode two, Sarah mm. releases the doctor and they hide in a closet. <laughs> yeah, which is quite fun. It it's funny though, isn't it? Because there's the, these tiny little doors, and then when you see when when you, you they you get like a shot from behind of the doors. It's quite a big. It's quite a big. Uh, <laughs> it's like mm, the, the the doors don't really match that room, but you know, again, it's, it's one of those things. Let's just go with it. You know, uh, the soldiers did they check the, the, the soldiers did they check the first place beside the the room that they've just escaped from? Oh, there's a yeah. cupboard there. Well, maybe we, they might be in there. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> it's, too, it's too small. It's too small. <laughs> you won't bother checking that. Sarah tells him, like, we get some exposition at that point about how Crayford was killed when his spaceship was lost in deep space. And then we have Crayford informing Stigrin, or sorry, Stigrin informing Crayford that there's a second random unit in the cell area. So we find out that this face is a guy called Stigrin. Yeah. And that the station's been searched. They must not escape, Crayford. They must not escape. He's got quite a few uh, classic lines in Chidaki when we meet him. Oh, my God. Yeah. What did you think of the design of the, of the crawls? I think they get a bad rap, actually. I actually really like them. Yeah. You see the photographs of them in the when they're on location, and they still look pretty good. Like, mm. somebody like the, the Fisher King, for example, looked great in studio, but on the location in that two-part of Peter Capaldi looked... You know, oh god, they should have just kept them in the shadows. But these yeah. guys, I thought, looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think they get. I think uh, Kinchcliffe was a bit too harsh on this. His argument is always that 
he wanted them. He can't believe that they're surgeons because they've got big hands and all that. But I, I disagree. I kind of disagree with that because they've got like the big displays and they're, they're they're obviously like twisting knobs and all the rest of it. They might have other androids doing the work for them, as it were. You know, that's it's. When he says he's a surgeon, it doesn't mean that he has to have tiny hands, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, because uh, it, it was, I don't know if you did. did I, I... Yeah, Crayford wants them dead. And he gets tortured for saying he wants them dead. But then in the next scene, I think, he wants them alive. He seems to change his mind all the time, Crayford, about whether he wants them alive or dead. Yeah. It was because I think like with this one, because Stigron's going to be the one that sorts sorts the Doctor and Sarah out. He's going, yeah, yeah, kill them, kill them. But then I think when when it flips, um, and and he's got to do the dirty work. He's like, oh no, no, just let's, let's let him live. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's obviously a bit spineless. <laughs> yeah, because Stigron wants them alive because he wants to analyze them. He wants to find out what on earth they're doing there, how have they got in there, mm-hmm. etc. And we see Benton at this point as well. So Benton is really cold and dangerous here. Almost like he is in Inferno, where he's just completely he's not got the he's not the level of Sergeant Benton because obviously he's the android. Yeah. Um yeah, because it is quite a different portrayal, isn't it? You know, kind of, uh, you know, pulling pull a gun on. Yeah, I quite like his portrayal in this. Um yeah, yeah. but the androids are ordered not to kill in any because that moment where of course he's getting the new orders or something and he gets a bit drunk for a minute and yeah, oh they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've escaped. Okay. Yeah. And them's Sarah the... sorry. That's the, them's the breaks, you know. <laughs> you keep changing your mind, you know. <laughs> One minute you want me to kill him the next. No, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's Sarah bruises her ankle now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean I'll just roll my eyes again. I'm not the companion's in trouble again. I mean, the, we know in Doctor Who the companion needs to be in trouble, or else sometimes because, or else there wouldn't be any plot. But yeah, I just thought, here we go. Um, twice in one episode in the story so mm. far. <laughs> yeah, but you you kind of get the the feeling that Terry Nation may not have watched much of Doctor Who of that, you know, you since know, since yeah, because because you think that feels very how the companions were in the sixties, you know, kind of very much so. It, it doesn't feel like it, it certainly doesn't feel like Sarah Jane, you know. Um, yes, she did get into trouble and things, but it, but it wasn't like tripping over, you know, a, a bit of mud and, then, and twisting <laughs> her ankle and stuff like that. It was, uh, you know, uh, it was like getting blinded and and uh, wandering around in. in in castles with monsters and stuff, but uh, yeah, um... yeah, that was a bit more in Brain and Morbius. That was much more sort of unbelievable, mm. <laughs> um, and two, it gave her some right acting to do, sorry, because she had to act blind and all that and get her chops through that. But yeah. this, it's oh, I've hurt my ankle. Oh, I need to go up a tree. You know, it's it, it's below her talents, really. I think. I know I did like the bit that the, when the doctor says, I'm going to have to carry you, she, yeah. she goes, no, you're not doing that. You know, because I think there would have been some companions in the past that probably gone, oh yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. But but not Sarah Jane. She was like, no, nah. no. <laughs> Stick me in a tree. <laughs> uh, and the doctor goes in the water and then Tom gets his 
stomach pumped and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are the tracker dogs though I was thinking are they androids as well well yeah I guess yeah so they've done the simulation but they must have simulated the dogs as well because or else how the hell are they there and it, it's amazing though isn't it because all of this information and data about people and dogs and stuff like that is, is all come from Craver's mind you know with the, that process where they they got the machine and, and, and yeah. all the flashing lights and, and stuff but yeah um yeah they, they must be androids unless they have dogs on, on the planet of the crawls <laughs> <laughs> who knows I don't know why Sarah moved as well so she's she's up the tree and then they, they, they just go, the they soldiers only go like round the corner, basically. And she's got a, a limp in, a limp with the ankle. And she goes down. And of course, surprise, surprise, she, they follow her and she captured her. It's like, Sarah, what are you doing? Stay there for a while until they really went away. Yeah. What are you doing, girl? And that, again, it's, it's another odd decision, isn't it? Because you, you would have been up there for, you know, a good, a good while <laughs> just to make sure they weren't yeah. going to come back before it's you got down. Literally round the corner. And because they, they literally turn around and they see her. Well, the, the <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 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 the best decision that she's ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's captured then and she's strapped to a table in Sigrun's lab. And Harry begins to analyze her memory print. So we see Harry now who says, I'm going to, you know, analyze your brain. And Sarah's like, Harry, you wouldn't do this to me. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why Harry's uh, character is reduced to, right, I'm going to be the one analysing the memory print, I don't know, but we see Harry. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's the thing. I, it's, it, as we said, it's not the best use of Ian Martyr or, or Harry Sullivan. No. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but but he's a character I absolutely adore. Oh, um, I love Harry. Harry. Yeah. And it, so it's it's nice to have him back, even if it isn't, you know, his, his finest hour, but it's, it's good to have more of him. Definitely. I like this grey set. It, it looks um, it's not the most dynamic of sets in terms of like it looks great, but I mm. quite like the fact it's just this grey set, big equipment, the light effect going on in the machine when they're analysing her brain and she's the and, anguish. And sort of quite, quite... Yeah, and, and, and there's a lot lots of nice bizarre shapes as well, isn't there? Because like with the, the yeah. doors are all sort of like jagged, aren't they, as they come together and stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's quite unusual. Quite and distinctive. You see this, it's a bit grey, but Yeah, it is grey to be fair, but <laughs> it kind of might I could believe the crowd's living in it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Cause cause because their their faces are they they look a bit like a lump of putty, don't they? Kind of thing that's <laughs> yes. gone out well, of my child. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that sort of that putty grey. Yeah, it, yeah, it suits them down to down to you know, down to a T really. And what about that shot where like Asira's going under, obviously with the the brain analysis? We just see this picture of Stigron in the mirror long effect, and he looks horrible. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Imagine if you're hard on the on the strap to this table, and then you just see this face. <laughs> just like oh god. Yeah, I, I think that because and that goes back to that you know with that first reveal of 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 the crawls you know where you just got a section of their face. I think I think that face, the the eyes and and that that horn and everything and and the way that the the mouth is like really misshapen, isn't it? And um, yeah. but but it, yeah, it, it kind of 
yeah, the, the, the head certainly looks quite quite sinister, especially you know, especially in that scenario where you know poor Sarah's barely conscious, and then she can see that. Just see that. Like, oh God. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Well, this is all going on. The doctor's in the pub. <laughs> Maybe that was Tom in real life as well. Yeah. Uh, the doctor's in the pub. <laughs> yeah. And we get this whole scene <laughs> where the phone like he's wanting to check the phone lines and. It's down, but then later on it rings. And when it rings, it's Sarah saying, I've escaped. And he'll meet mm. her in the shop. I like how the, the pub has got ginger beer in. You know, so they've they've <laughs> replicated the dogs, they've replicated the the plants and all the rest of it, they've replicated the alcohol. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the landlord's in the cupboard. Yeah. That's a not quite sure why <laughs> It looks like all the others have obviously went to their jobs or something. They've had their pub lunch or whatever in this part and they're away to their jobs. But he just decides, I'm just going to stand in the cupboard now. Okay. I do like his blanket performance. So the, uh, the, I said earlier, I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but I love his blank performance. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, because again, it's, it's sort of that, you know, that, that theme of of a, a, a normal looking kind of guy, but behaving really bizarrely, you know, kind of thing. That's sort of blank, and um, you know, it's quite it's quite one note. The sort of delivery as well, isn't it? You know, and yeah, it's it's um, yeah, good stuff. You know, because because fundamentally, I mean, he's he's what is he only in two scenes, but but he certainly um certainly makes makes the most of them doesn't he and it would be an easy one i would think to get wrong because you could easily just play it as a zombie act and i do not know anything but he doesn't do that he does this more subtle just he plays it like it's normal but it's not it's it's, it's a, i would have thought that would be a hard thing to pull off but he pulls it off really well yeah but but you do wonder whether that's because you know certainly in this scene he's kind of bouncing off of tom baker's tom acting and his reaction because because like you say you've got that scenario of um the doctor picks up the phone and it's dead puts it down uh, he has a conversation with the the barman and, and and gets his ginger pop and um and then all of a sudden the phone rings and the, the look the look that, that tom gives him you know but but he's he's you know giving him a lot to play with isn't he you know in that and uh and then and then when when the phone call's finished it, it's he picks it up just to check and it's dead again. Yeah. So all adding, adding to that, you know, what is going on? <laughs> Thinking about what's going on. I mean, there's the calendar we see in this scene as well, where it's the same day over and over again. It doesn't quite make sense because why would they produce mm. a calendar with just one date on it? But who cares? It, it's just a great sort of little moment. And he says, um, you know, strange, a village without a future. Yeah, great line. That is a really great line. And the dartboard, where the dartboard is obviously has three perfect. So a <laughs> new dartboard. What's going on? And he and he, the doctor manages to get three perfect darts right into the bullseye. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tom is great though in trying to figure this all out. I mean, he, I think he said plastic horse brush at one point. He, he makes a comment about a random piece of thing that's on the the fireplace, things mm. like that. Um. 
But yeah, it doesn't make any sense that there's only one day. <laughs> there's only one day. Yeah, yeah. Because you would think, because they, they've obviously uh, extracted that from from Crayford's mind, and you would have okay. thought, well, <laughs> you know, we all know calendars have uh, more than one date. It's yeah, so it's a weird one that. But I mean, again, pardon, pardon. No, no, not carry on. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's just because you can see it, you know, the more and the more that the Doctor gets deeper and deeper into this mystery, the more he's sort of, you know, kind of piecing it together. The cogs are turning kind of thing. And, and you know, and uh, yeah, but I mean, it is, it's like Tom Baker at his peak, though, isn't it, this? He, he's just fantastic. Oh, yeah, he's, he's just... He's the best doctor we've had, in my opinion. Mm. He's not my favourite doctor, but he's the best no. doctor we've ever had because he's the best one at being an alien. Yeah. You totally believe he's an alien. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So while all this is going on in the pub, Sigrun's watching him through the dartboard. <laughs> and this is where we meet Chidaki, who yeah. is concerned. <laughs> he's concerned that, oh, the androids could be used against us in our invasion of Earth. And we've got, we see the full look of the crowd now. So we see the whole costume. And obviously they've got their hunch and uh, they've yeah, got this sort of, um, it's hard to describe their costume. It's almost like a sort of medieval sort of thing. <laughs> I can't really describe it. No, I know what you mean. It is, it's like a cross between a, uh, a string vest, isn't it? And like you say, that sort of medieval kind of jerking kind of yeah. thing. It's... Yeah, it's bizarre. And Shadaki's um, sounded like Zippy. Yeah. And, and the and, preparation's complete. He's got this first. But, but also, because he's been, because he's like the marshal, isn't he, or something? So he's like the, mili the military leader. Uh, he's I, the military one and Sigrun's the scientist. Yeah. Scientist. But he's such a wet blanket, though, isn't he? He's like worrying about everything and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, you think, well, if you're a military, you, you know, you, they would be a bit more bit more harder than that but yeah he's a bit of a <laughs> yeah it just comes in and like you say the voice and the stuff that he's saying is it just doesn't portray what you would expect of a military um, commander definitely in the home. yeah of, of like an alien force yeah not not at all Jadaki's like the moaning mum let's stick on he's coming in and, and ticking him off all the time or rather Sigrun's doing yeah. it to him at some points, you're like, oh, very well, yeah. and, and all this um, <laughs> going on. And Crayford gets reprocessed again, so he seems really... This is a bit where he was... Uh, this is a bit where Stigrin even says, I thought you wanted the Doctrine that dead. And he's mm. like, oh, well, there's no need to now, Stigrin. <laughs> and, but he's terrified when they're like, well, we're going to have to reprocess you for another android, to create another android. Oh, no, don't, I can't go through that again. Oh. And... Yeah, he just again changes his mind over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and but but it, it it feels bizarre that they have to put him through that to just create like a generic robot because because it because this is the one where it's like a like a generic um, unit soldier, isn't it? Yeah. So that would be in the brain print that they'd already taken from you, you'd think, as well. So yeah, why yeah. they need to do it again? I, I, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. I, I think my, my my theory is they just like ragging on uh, on Crayford, you know, because 
as we as we discuss later, that elephant in the room, I just think they like uh, <laughs> taking the piss out of him, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, he's, he's they're just. I think they're just torturing him and yeah. blaming him all the time, and just like yeah. he'll believe anything we say. He's so gullible, Jesus. Yeah. We see Jataki's big nose on the screen when this whole uh, <laughs> when this whole thing going on. He creates this unit soldier, and you just see Jataki's nose just going up and down on the screen. And it's a new weapon from the armor section. Stigron says, uh, "Yeah, it's, it's great." So I love his line where he goes, "Science will make the crowds invincible," and he's got his finger up in the air and he's. Yeah, because the whole point of that is basically to prove that they've got the ability to to put the the androids down, basically. So that isn't it, and it's yeah. um, it it's just, big... just sort of, it feels like a lot of trouble to go go to to kind of have to prove prove that. You know. I think they wrote that scene like when they were they needed to write extra stuff, so that might explain why that bit doesn't make any sense. Because I think they had to come up with something, and they right. came up with a. Well, let's just have a bit where the unit so where they create a unit soldier and they kill him. And the guy's death is really comical where he just sort <laughs> yeah. of he goes right across the, around set. the floor. goes through the whole set <laughs> when he's hit by this uh, gun thing that Stigrin's got in his hand, and he certainly makes the most of it. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've got like one like half a second of screen time. I'm gonna go for it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but um, but he's like I, you do feel for him because he hasn't got like the biggest room, uh, the, you know, the biggest space for himself to, you know, fresh around and die in, does he? You know, it's, it's <laughs> no. quite tiny. But, yeah. We then come up to the cracking cliffhanger of oh. episode two. So the doctor gets really suspicious because he meets her in the shop, and of course she said she has about the ginger pop and says I love it, and of course that mm. you can imagine. I can imagine kids in the seventies watching this live. Figuring it out. It's one of the yeah. great ones where the kids would be figuring out, saying, No, don't trust her, doctor. She's wanting the ginger beer. And Tom's glee, where he's like, I think we're being tested. And she's got the scarf, of course, as well, which she didn't have before. Mm. It's just a gorgeous scene. And they have the obviously the moment where they go back to the TARDIS and then we have the, the big moment, don't we? That Sarah is turns out is an android. Mm. Yeah. I that mean, whole scene is just that's the one that's replayed from the story. Like on, I think it was on more than twenty, more than thirty years in the TARDIS, and it's always the scene that comes up with a story. And it, where, and it's, it's I'm right in saying it's definitely on the Tom Baker years, isn't it? It's one of the two clips, isn't it? Or I don't I'm, think this scene is. It was the one. It it's the one later on where she yeah. confronts some yeah. in episode four, and it's the Android Doctor, right. But this is a scene that always comes up like on documentaries yeah. or something where he says, well, I know it. you're not Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, again, it's, it's a, I mean, it, yeah, you know, this isn't Earth, you know, these this wood isn't real and all this sort of thing. And, and you're not the real Sarah Jane. It's just, yeah, it's just awesome. Uh, and how good is Elizabeth Sladen as evil? Just the look on her face. As yeah. the android Sarah, and then he obviously gets the scarf and puts the gun out of hand and um, rolls across the. I think it was Philip Chumsky's idea for like let's have her rolling across and and her face falls off. Falls off, yeah. And it's I mean, just fantastic. I mean, like like you say, it it does feel like one of those kind of iconic uh, Doctor Who moments, isn't it? That like like it, it does get 
picked for compilations and um documentaries and, and what have you because uh, because it well because i mean what could be better you've got like one of the most beloved doctor who companions uh and it's not her it, it, it's, no. a, it's a robot the android face as well is shocking i mean it just look, it looks brilliant just these yeah. two the guys with the eyes on the stalks <laughs> yeah staring out at you and dudley simpson sort of or the sound designer putting the little ticks in that of the electronics sort of thing yeah. and it was beautiful weather as well when they filmed this which i think adds to it because it yeah. looks like oh it's this beautiful summer's day on earth isn't it oh it's not earth <laughs> Yeah, I because because it's it's brilliant when you first see it where where like you say it was the guard guy with the with this mask up. Yeah, but this, uh, yeah, I, I think because it because it like you know it is Sarah. We think it's Sarah, but but it isn't. You know, and uh, yeah, but but it's such a it's a really simple design, but but really effective, isn't it? And and like you yeah. say, the the, the 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 two having those two sort of. Uh, Eyeballs there. Uh, that's brilliant. Really good. Really good. Episode three then. Mm. And the first image you get is Sarah as the android firing, which is <laughs> yeah. some image. He's he's got he runs away, obviously, and, and then all you see is it are set up and shoot the gun. It's it's not quite as effective this time though, is it? It, it, you it doesn't quite see... look as effective. No, <laughs> no it doesn't. It, just, it does look a little bit um, not not quite as they they haven't quite pulled it off as well as what they had done for previous episode. No, I, I agree. And we get the now the crowds like a random time thing in this. We find out it's nine minutes till destroying the simulation of the village. Nine, not ten minutes, not fifteen no. minutes. It's nine minutes. Mm-hmm. with a dissolving bomb and this comes up later on i think there's an 11 minute that comes up later on with something else but yeah nine minutes and the doctor is walking through the village and somehow sigrun manages to come up behind him and, and grab him how did they not see him no because because they don't strike me as being particularly fast moving creatures no. either <laughs> i think he would have made some noise yeah yeah, you know, it of... just appears, but Tom's, you know, oh, hello, <laughs> it's probably yeah. yeah, I really yeah. like though that they put the so they tie him to the cross, and then the doctor says to Stigrin, You're really enjoying this, aren't you? And Stigrin just sort of does a hoof and then turns around and runs away. <laughs> just it's probably it. And was it, and then was it the doctor calls after him and goes, Was it? Why, why don't you stay and we can all go together? You know, kind of thing. And it's, oh, uh, yeah. I, I, just, I, I, lo- I, I love that sort of the way that the fourth doctor, you know, he can be in these really serious situations and just play it for comedy almost, you know, with the, uh, you know, really playing down the drama of, of it all, you know. Um, but yeah. It's good, and of course that that is you know it's another one of those kind of iconic things, isn't it? Because um, like we say, you know they use that that image on the front of the the VHS. Colin, yeah. Colin Howard did that, and then the, the, the t- it's also on the Target, isn't it? The original Target book. It is, yeah. It's on. The yeah, target you know, book, yeah. Um, this sort of really strong the, image. Yeah, yeah. Just I like how the bomb as well has got the same stony look as the crowd, so you get it's almost like the attention to detail. The bomb looks like it was, you know, part of the spaceship 
yeah. that they've got, or or is it a spaceship really? It's more their their base, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because because cause don't in a minute don't don't we when when the village gets destroyed don't we see like like through the crack in the door or the window or something you see like uh, it's all like desert, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it's, so this is their base is like just in the middle of nothing. It's in the yeah. middle of like a desert. Yeah. And we have yeah, a random we... time thing again. 20 seconds. He's like, <laughs> 15 seconds, 20 seconds. It was. But, I mean, the crowds are a bit funny at this point because Chidaki has another go at Stigrin for that experiment, saying, that was foolish you doing that experiment with that unit soldier at the end of part two. And then, <laughs> and then they think that Sarah's unconscious and leave her. Yeah. Like, oh, well, like, well, 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 She'll, we'll use it in a minute. They go away. They trottle off or or sort of walk off in their in their way. But, but I think she that... does escape. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they they created a, an android Sarah to kind of fool the doctor, saying I I escaped, haha. But then the real Sarah escapes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good good job thing. Uh, good job she did, wasn't it? Really, you know. Gets the doctor out of a tight squeeze. <laughs> yeah, so she saves the, the doctor um, and she has to use sonic screwdriver, of course, because the plants are like steel, they say. Yeah, but this yeah. is the bit with the 20 se- 25 seconds, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great, aren't they? <laughs> and there's a lovely slowdown dissolve effect. So they get there in time into the base and then. You know, it goes into slow motion as the village gets destroyed, basically. And it's, yeah, ah, you just see this deserted landscape. Yeah. I was thinking, why not create copies of other villages or something to make the planet look a bit better? You've got a desert and then you just had this sunny village <laughs> that you created. Isn't, wasn't, wasn't the whole purpose of them wanting to come to Earth was that the, the place was like a, a radioactive wasteland or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Which, which yeah. again is very Terry Nation. Um, Yes, yeah. so it's another one for the bingo. Yeah. Hello, hello, Daleks. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, you would you would think, you know, if you're capable, mind you, I suppose they they have the capabilities, but perhaps not the imagination because they had to extract that from from Crayford, didn't they? Crayford. To be, but you know, so maybe they are lacking in that in that department to be able to make things look uh, look pretty. Which is which is what you know why why you know it's it's quite grey and functional kind of kind of vibe to their to their habitat. Yeah, their habitat just looks very boring. Or they've destroyed it, obviously, in their radiation. There's been a war or something, and mm-hmm. it's just gone. So there is high radiation, as we find out at this point. So the doctor, when he had his little gadget in part one, saying, "Oh, it's a bit high," um, <laughs> turns out it's because they're on this planet called Poseidon. And they are be walking around in radiation. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing because it's quite. I, I think it's quite clever because you have these little little things like that with the doctor's gadget, uh, and then obviously the you know as we we've discussed the offering the ginger pop to to Sarah and she goes no I hate hate it and you think well they they're, they're nothing things that just throw away bits but the way that they then get woven back into the into the story is really quite quite good you know some 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 script script editors and script writers perhaps would have just you know 
left that hang in there and you know whereas yeah. whereas it's nicely weaved throughout the 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 plot of the of, of the story isn't it you know no, nothing's wasted it it it, ha- it has a meaningful part to to play uh to to the overall story yeah it's it's quite economical storytelling isn't it where everything sort of counts i mean We've talked about how some of the things don't make sense, but uh, they, they certainly um, don't waste anything like that. Um, in this, certainly in this period of the show, mm. I think I think they're pretty good with yeah. under Hinchcliffe, yeah, but just making everything count. So this mm. is where we find out we 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 roll our eyes now because it's we find out Crayford's plan because they've been mm. captured and he's been listening to the Doctor and Sarah saying, "We're going to war on Earth," you know. What we can't let them get away with us. And Crayford goes in and goes, right, well, I'm going to tell you my plan. <laughs> Seems to be a thing in Doctor Who where the, the villain likes telling everyone their plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's Tom's face throughout this whole scene is basically like ours. They're basically, he's rolling his eyes and going, are you a complete idiot? Yeah. Because <laughs> he says he's going to go back to Earth because his ship obviously was believed destroyed. Yeah, lost. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to go back to Earth and then he's going to bring the Kral invasion in. But no humans will get destroyed. Yeah. yeah. It's like, really? And they reconstructed him apart from his left eye, but we'll get to his eye later. <laughs> the elephant yeah. is still there. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? He's, he, he, he's got a grudge against Earth saying, they left me to die, but what was he expecting Earth to do? You're in deep space, they lose contact with you. What are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah, and- it, does, it does seem... <laughs> yeah really implausible doesn't it sort of thing that I, i'm you know because i should imagine most astronauts would know that there's a there's a potential risk that you're not <laughs> coming back do you know what i mean yeah. you know just because of the nature of space and, and what what I you mean, know i mean these guys going to mars you know what i mean like they're going to they're going to send these folk to mars probably maybe in our lifetime yeah i mean they're, they're, they're going to they're, they're surely only going to go oh christ uh, we've We've drifted out of space, we're at Jupiter now. Right, I'm going to destroy the Earth because let me die. it just makes yeah. no sense. It's like, what, what was he expecting them to do? Yeah, uh, he's he has been brainwashed. So, oh yeah, he must have been, as we will <laughs> discuss later. Yeah, <laughs> but Tom's face through, as I say, is just this look of complete derision, just complete like, what am I listening to this? Yeah. And and you know this is really this is really sad. But I'm I'm sat there listening through all of that, and the only thing I'm thinking, or the main thing I'm thinking, is what the heck is he wearing? Like the <laughs> the, the the denim boiler suit and cravat. It's, ah, like... it's a bit, so I don't know if he was trying to, the autons again were getting involved here because it looks a bit like the costume in Spirit from Space where the where, without the yeah, autons. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, aye, it is a weird outfit. You're right. You know, it, it, you know, when you think of like when you think of astronauts, you think sort of like you know, all of it, it looks all scientific and and you know, like it's going to save your life. Whereas that, it just <laughs> it just looks, yeah, like he's just got dressed for a I, I don't know to go to the garage or something. You know, kind of <laughs> <laughs> you know, Probably a mechanic. So Stigrin has another sort of trick up his sleeve because now suddenly he wants to test a virus on mm. the Doctor and Sarah. So he gets the android Harry 
to put a drop of this virus in a jug of water. The virus it's so potent that it's got an out, it's got a protective bit on the outside. It has to be handled carefully. The crows aren't allowed to handle it. <laughs> and the doctor, meanwhile, is putting a floor panel, isn't he? He's got the floor panel and he finds a power conduit and he's got, right, we're going to have to think of a way out of here. And that android Harry then takes the doctor away, but he leaves the food and water. I didn't like their, their, their hospitality. I mean, the, the bread looked about 100 years old and looked like, it hardly looked like fresh bread. Yeah. Well, they, they had just destroyed the pub, to be fair, hadn't they? You know. Yeah. They probably That's could true. have got some sandwiches. <laughs> but yeah, this yeah. virus is so potent. Is, it, is another is another Terry Nation bingo? Virus. Yeah, yeah, but it, it is really weird that they they kind of have that thing where they're at, you know, like you say, it's in like a protective box in in its sort of canister and all this sort of stuff. But obviously, they've then poured it into the water. Which then Sarah <laughs> pours all over the floor in a minute, yeah. and, and no one said, you know, th there's no, <laughs> there's no repercussions of the virus from that. That that's that feels a bit weird, a bit odd. Yeah, the only thing later on is Digrin says to her when he sees her near the end and says, "How are you alive?" He basically says, "How are you alive? Did you not drink the water?" And she's mm. like, "What water? Oh, that water? Yeah. <laughs> no, I poured it over the floor." Yeah. I used it to electrocute the guard, you know. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The glasses as well, they've got, they look like whiskey glasses. The, the Kral glasses are quite nice. They, they just look like they're having a bit of whiskey. Yeah, I'm sure my mum had glasses that looked a little bit like that when I was a kid. I'm sure mine did as well, yeah. yeah in, the, in the 80s, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like, yeah. Um, yeah. And the screwdriver is a screwdriver. So we actually see it, one of the rare occasions you see it just unscrewing her. It's no, yeah, it's no, yeah. um, got like in Jodie Whittaker's time, you know, it can tell you everything about what a computer does and all the rest of it. It's just a screwdriver. Yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah. Because is that, I like the only other time that I can remember that we saw it do that was, was that in the um, Ark in Space, wasn't it? In, in the first episode. In the Ark in Space, and I can remember one in the War Games, I think, because he shows okay. the guy in the War oh, Games. Oh, yes, yeah, with the gun, yeah. yeah. With the gun. Yeah. But that's the only times I could think of. Mm. But see, nowadays, it, the screwdrivers, oh. like, they that's solve everything. anything. Thing, yeah. but I think they went too far with that, but that's another story. Yeah, 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 I'm with you on that. <laughs> The doctor's yeah, they... now being taken to the operating table, as it were. Yeah. And his mind gets, gets put to the databanks, and you see him getting, oh, my God. Um, Tom's really good at pay, playing pain well. I mean, remember in Genesis, when he got the electric shock at the end of... Yeah. I think it's part four, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. He is good at, at that sort of thing. Because you, you generally, you can watch that and think, yeah. That's that, that doesn't that doesn't seem nice. I don't want any of that. No, I love his line. Careless of you to lose an eye, because he, he just mocks them about Kreef day, and he just says, "Oh, you lost an eye though." Yeah. But oh. another clock, another uh, time watch. That's eight minutes to repeat the recording. It's not ten minutes, not five minutes. It's eight minutes to complete the recording off the doctor's mind. <laughs> but he is a right sadist, this guy, because he basically says, "Right, well." You can stay there, and in eight minutes, your brain will burst. 
and just leaves them. Like, yeah. well, that's nice. Yeah, no, it, I, yeah, but you you kind of get that, I, I suppose, all the way through this this story, isn't there? That that obviously scientifically brilliant. The military might is a little bit questionable with Ochidaki, <laughs> but you, there's there's definitely like a real vicious streak um, to Stigron, isn't there? You know, oh, so yeah. that sort of amoral uh, kind of scientist you know and he probably he probably get you know immense pleasure from the fact that that process hurts whoever he's you know re reading their brainwaves off you know um but yeah there's the yeah, yeah like you say it, very sadistic in the fact that you know just just likes you know he's obviously getting something out of it but also he's getting like some sort of sadistic pleasure out of it as well you know oh, as, it as sure a is like it's a sadistic yeah. bastard this guy yeah, yeah big time yeah what do we think of the crowds having their backs like hunching over i'm not quite sure i don't know why they put that in is it because rhinos make them look more rhino like by doing that or i don't know i mean um <laughs> Or is it just a costume? Maybe the actor just put the costume on and then, well, I kind of have to hunch over because that's all I can do. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting look, isn't it? Kind of thing. Because like we say, in many respects, the, the face is quite um, sort of creepy and, 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 and sort of scary. But yeah, the, the fact that they're sort of doing the old uh, hunchback of Notre Dame kind of... Uh, Richard the Third. Yeah, 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 definitely Richard the Third. Um, yeah, you know... Um, yeah, it's a strange one. But then, <laughs> when you... Because, again, talking about the height of doors, the, the door to the cell that Sarah's in, they're all having... Even Sarah and Tom are having to... Or, and the fourth Doctor are having to stoop to get yeah. out of the doors. So, yeah, may, maybe it's the fact that they've had a lifetime of, like, <laughs> having to stoop under all these, these doors. <laughs> put their back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah sets her trap then. So, like you said, she puts water on the floor, an android comes in, and then he gets electrocuted and turned off with the electric shock. And Sarah releases the doctor. I like the effect, destroying the android. You see the flames on the chest and all that. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah. And Tom yeah, and I mean... Sarah... Sorry, cut him. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the thing. There's some, there's some really nice visual touches isn't there all, all throughout this you know um like we, we get there's there's some nice ones particularly in in the fourth episode you know kind of but but, but where the the visual effects team have kind of come up trumps as well uh yeah to, to kind of add to add, add to you know the the, the the sort of like the the story in that way but yeah it's a good effect i like that we also get this story i mean it's another brilliant bit between uh, Elizabeth and Tom where and I believe he put it in about when he talks about three sisters at the bottom of a treacle well yeah. I, I believe that there was something else in the script and then they decided to change it and he came up with this I, I believe it is a real story somewhere some children's oh, right. fairy okay. story or something I, I don't know where it's from really but it's yeah there's three sisters at the bottom of a treacle well <laughs> just <laughs> lovely stuff um, what does but, he say after that because he, he says something about not feeling quite himself or something doesn't he yeah um, can't remember exactly. I, I didn't write it down, but um, 
Yeah, you know, obviously he's feeling the effects of the process that that Steve Ron's put him through, and it's yeah, it's it's funny that he it sort of comes out with that because it's just so it's just so bonkers. <laughs> yeah, so Tom Baker, though, isn't it? <laughs> and they must have got enough for his brain print because even though I'm assuming it wasn't at the end of the brain print, they do have a Android doctor, so they must have got enough of him before his brain burst. Yeah, to, yeah, for sure. To do that. <laughs> And they go to the rocket now, so we get a bit of, there's a bit of questionable CSO with the, um, with the rocket, but it's, hey, it's 70s Doctor Who, you know. Mm. And we get another time thing, we get 30 seconds again. <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds, don't take off. And they go into the rocket, and then we've got the famous cliffhanger where uh, the G4 Sarah Elizabeth Sladen does not look flattering. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the thing. I think like in this episode, there's some there is some funny funny kind of acting. I think the G force, and also is it's like when they um when they manage to get inside the 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 Kral's sort of base after the bomb, they're all like doing the slow mo wobbling yeah. around like they're on voyage to the bottom of the sea or something like that. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's it yeah it's 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 kind of. Uh, it feels quite quaint and and quite sweet, doesn't it? That sort of thing. You, you know, you're reminded that you're watching uh, Doctor Who from the 1970s. You know. Yeah. Oh, yes. Episode four. Luckily, they survive. I mean, the doctor said that they have to get in a pod or else the G Force will destroy them, but they're alive. Well, she got knocked out, but he seems to be all right. So, yeah. but luckily enough, they, they're alive. <laughs> yeah. They made it. Yeah. And we see a record that what they have a wee chat about that the pods are going to get popped out the, the spaceship to land on Earth. And there's a creepy shot of the doctor, like the android doctor just put, just opens his pod and is looking at them for a couple of seconds and then puts the lid down, which <laughs> is really good. Yeah. yeah. But this again is another scene where you think, was it written or did they make it up? Where they're talking about the tiny flaw in the plan and if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, then we just might get killed on because of the force of the pod going onto the earth. Exactly. <laughs> Was it like the doctor goes, "Yeah, you you've uh, pointed out the 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 fatal error in the in our plan like that," and Sarah goes, "But it's not my plan." <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, again, it's it's just another example of the way that they kind of just bounce off each other so well, you know, and uh... it's just so natural. Yeah, you, you know, it's one of those scenes where it could, it could just be words, couldn't it? But because it's it's Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen, uh, you know, acting off of one and another, it's just it, yeah, it's just superb, really. Yeah, is. it's it's just just their chemistry. You just, you just can't replicate that really. It's just it, either it's there or it isn't, and it's there in bucket loads, you know. Yeah. The rocket gets detected by the real defence station now on the Earth, along <laughs> with a group of meteorites. And I notice that Crayford's rocket, the pinpoint, is just above Wales, so he's coming in. I guess he's going to Devesham, so his, his rocket on the screen was right above the tip of Wales and coming in. Yeah. Which I thought was yeah. quite funny. And Carol, we meet Colonel Faraday. Uh, yeah. Now, this mm. guy, he's no Nicholas Courtney, is he? But no. 
he is at least got some personality. I mean, I did them um, seeds of doom. Um, oh. And the guy in that, it's just no personality whatsoever. Just going fire, fire. That, that's yes. it. This guy at least had a bit of a, a bit of personality. I mean, because because that was one thing that I was kind of thinking about is that um, obviously, what is it? What have we got next? It's brain of Morbius. Then it's seeds of doom, isn't it? Yeah, I think. That's right, yeah. And then, uh, you know, why? Obviously, unit are in that only again a very very small part of that six part story. But but it's really weird that they don't get any of the unit guys from this story into that yeah. one. It's a little bit weird. I don't know if you know, it's but, but yeah, I I, 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 I I agree that you know that yeah he he's no Nicholas Courtney or or you know Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart kind of thing, but. Yeah, he's he's almost like a, a slightly comedy brigadier, isn't he? I I think. Colonel Faraday here. <laughs> yes, he's yes, quite yes, quite yes. sort of pompous and kind of, uh, you know, kind of full of himself a little bit, you know, um, but but quite bumbling at the same time. You've got that kind of bumbling quality. Bumbling's the word. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But of course, the the thing that's baffling is that the meteorites they they have a bit of comment about. Well, these rockets coming in, sir. Oh, there's these meteorites that you know they're in perfect formation. I think they're slowing down, and then they just forget about them. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, is it no bit suspicious that they're coming down at the same time as the rocket? I.e., they might have something to do with the rocket, and because they're slowing down, they might not be meteorites. So I would be, yeah. why do they got unit going out to see where the pods land? And you know, it's, but they just seem <laughs> to forget about them. <laughs> It's very reminiscent of that opening scene of Spiro from Space, isn't it? Do you remember where you've yes. got the radar operator and he's going, but they're flying in formation, and then his his superior officer's going, yeah, don't worry, they're just it's just something to do with the heat wave, you know, kind of thing. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it, it it's it is yeah, I don't know why they bothered to flag it and then dismiss it straight away or, or don't go anywhere with it. But yeah, it's a strange one. The shot of the pods landing as well, as I said, I, I could forgive any CSO shot really in Doctor Who, but that is the greatest shot that Barry Letts has done with CSO. Um, but the Doctor and Sarah are fine. They've managed to get on into the pods, go down there, and they're, they're all right. They've survived. <laughs> and Crayford's enjoying himself, could say to them, all right, I'm coming in. Get the champagne on ice, lads. I'm, yeah. I'm coming in. The hero's returned. The hero's returned. <laughs> Um, and Harry and Benton are there, the real ones. They're getting the news. They're all happy. And this is when we get the Tom Baker years clip. So Sarah's yeah. out her pod. The doctor's out his pod, but they're not. They don't seem to be in the same place. Hmm. Um, and she goes to the she goes to the and sees the TARDIS. So the TARDIS is obviously. I've only just thought of this. The TARDIS must have dematerialized, and then thought, right, okay, um, I'll go to the same spot, but on the real Earth. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a line though that the doctor was saying that the coordinates were meant to be for Earth, but it yeah it, it got here and got confused or something, and then when Sarah put the the key in the lock, it it jolted it back into that journey to Earth. So I'm glad I guess you paid attention. That, I'm, I'm totally. <laughs> I, I'm guessing that was that, that was the original destination, but it kind of got <laughs> it got stopped halfway through and confused. Yeah. Yeah, that's the answer. I, I, I totally didn't click that one, so well done. <laughs> I just thought, why the hell is it suddenly? But yeah, it's it's there in the script. And we have that scene then where 
Sarah confronts who she thinks is the doctor because mm. they're hearing the rocket coming in, but then it turns out to be the android doctor and the android Sarah's in her pod and even pod. needs to get um, a helping hand to take her out the pod. Yeah. Which yeah. is what a diva. Because um, <laughs> did you notice in that scene from, from you know, um, when the, do- the the duplicate doctor's talking to the real Sarah Jane, he, he's kind of got like one of his hands slightly in his jacket. Like a, yeah, I like noticed a that. I didn't, know, I didn't know why he was doing that. I know, I just... it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to I don't be know whether maybe he had the, the sort of gun in his finger or something. I don't know. I, I thought he was going to give himself away. I, I sorry, I can think. Of. Yeah, possibly, possibly. But yeah, it was. I, I thought that was a bit odd. Bit odd. But the creepy but... music in that as well, and I'm saying, "Come, we have much to do," and all that is, gosh, brilliant. And and he says it so unlike the Fourth Doctor as well. The way you know, the, yeah. it hasn't got the the the. The peaks and the troughs of life that that you normally get from the fourth doctor it's it's quite you know online oh yeah if it was the real doctor it'd be come we have much to do sarah let's go yeah yeah, yeah. the rocket's landed now near the station and harry and faraday go up to the rocket but the real doctor comes in and says don't send them up because he obviously is like there's androids around and he wants the scientist guy, doesn't he, to design a device to jam the electronics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the guy's going, oh, but it'll take a while. I've got, a, is it like nine circuits I'll have to change and all this sort of stuff. But uh, yeah. I quite like that guy. I can't, I, I, I don't yeah, think Yeah, I think he's been another Doc 2 before, but I can't think mm. what one it is. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good idea to kind of you know because sometimes you you get these like solutions to a problem and they're very sort of like you know kind of oh right that was you know but but to kind of use the the space radar um, station and all that sort of thing to kind of uh, yeah jam that signal to the robots to, to stop them working is it, you know it, it feels it feels right doesn't it you know kind of yeah. thing it feels like a, a good sort of uh organic kind of um solution you know it, it fits the story quite well um you know they're not it's not convoluted or or kind well, of you know at all. Oh. at all it feels feels part of it you know so yeah it involves good. the space station as well which is good you know yeah. the solution to the problem sort of thing unfortunately though the doctor's too late because he goes up to the office and it is the android harry and faraday so he died. This is where he dives at the window. Yes. Much like Kevin yeah. saying, he just goes, and Faraday goes, confounded cheek. <laughs> <laughs> this pompous guy. I, what, what, I like his line before that, where he's going, the crawls. I've never heard of them like that. It's like, <laughs> just because you're in unit doesn't mean you know, you know, you've got like a, a spotter's guide to uh, to, to aliens of, of the universe. Yeah, there's, there's thousands and millions of others out there. Do you not know that, Faraday? Yeah. yeah. The interaction as well between the two doctors before he jumps out the window. Oh, hello, doctor. Oh, mm. I've been expecting you. Oh, <laughs> Which is yeah. a lot of fun. I, I think that that the leap out of the window is really well done isn't it because it's obviously you know because you're going from studio to to um location yeah but, but the way that it's been filmed looks quite seamless and and it looks like you know it's it's almost in one 
sort of everyone's short yeah yeah you know kind of thing whereas you know some, sometimes those things can be done a bit like ham fisted but this that one there actually feels like it you know if it feels like they've, they've got that you know sort of spot on really um like i say which they they didn't always do but but in this for this instance it, look, it looks really cool yeah it does look pretty seamless this one yeah you're right we find out about benton's family life at this point don't we but, but like there's a random phone call and he says oh what was it he's his oh, wife's sister or something or kid sister or something was it so oh, his kid sister kid sister i think he says <laughs> but it's it's quite a sexist line, isn't it? It was going, ah, oh, you got her well trained or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's my sister. <laughs> it's not my wife. It's my sister. Yeah, yeah. John Levine, as we know, um, yeah. I've said this before on this podcast. I'm not. I'm never. I've, I've dabble in the, the acting. I'll never say that I'm Lawrence Olivier in a million years. I'm not going to ever suggest I am. But John Levine is always like commenting on his acting on the DVD commentaries. But I don't think this is his proudest moment where he gets knocked out. But then he's sort of blinking, even though he's knocked out. You see him sort of his eyes going like this. And it's like, you've been knocked out, John. Yeah. <laughs> close him. Close him. Play dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what he's doing. Like, no. You've been knocked out. The guy has just put two arms you know, two hands on your back and knocked you out. And he's sitting there as if he's asleep. We just we just had one of those connectivity issues there where you had frozen. Oh, I God, just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's with 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 John Levine. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's solid, isn't he? he? He's not like you say, <laughs> Laurence Olivier or anything like that. But but he's quite quite solid and dependable kind of kind of actor isn't he but he, he is very much what you know th th there's not many layers to him as such but he, he does he plays that role quite well benton um but yeah, yeah like, like you say, think, you know... yeah i heard him on the commentaries when he's just like i'm in this scene i'm doing this yes you can see me looking like this and john's giving me the eye and and, I, and it's like you didn't want to be horrible to him, but you're thinking you're playing a, you're playing a good role and all that. But yeah, it's it's he, he's giving us a master acting class on the commentary. Because because other than Doctor Who, what he hasn't he hasn't been in much else, has he? I, I think. No, I looked this up. Doctor Who, I don't think he's been in much, has he? No, I looked this up. He's only been, he was only in a couple of episodes of some things before Doctor Who, and then really after Doctor Who, he sort of went away for acting. But he's done everything else. He's yeah. done the ballads of. Uh, in fact, I was going to, we'll talk about him at the end, but um, yeah, he's done songs, he's done cabaret acts, he's, <laughs> yeah. But no, I just find him really funny, he's, he's quite a eccentric character, as we know. Um, it'd be interesting yeah, again. Um, yeah, no, I, I was going to say, have, have you actually met him? Because I've, I've not, I, no. <laughs> I had that privilege last summer. He, oh, wow. He went to... He is so he a uh, character. Um, the way that he is on on stage, being interviewed by 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 people, um, yeah, he, he's he's larger than life, you know. And he had the old uh, Hawaiian shirt on and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah, very very entertaining man. Is 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 worth the admission price? 
Oh, I can imagine. Like... Sorry, I'm losing you a bit. Oh, I lost you as well. Are you, are you back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully when, when they're edit, it's, it's not good. they're not going to be in there, I'll just have to see. But, uh, but yeah, mm. he's um, very... He's just set on the commentaries, it's very... It just comes across sometimes to me anyway that he's just talking about himself all the time. It's like, like just there's other folk in the scene, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's called Doctor Who, not Sergeant Benton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had the such they said saturation search, but I had no idea what that meant. Well, no. the saturation search of the building. So they're trying to look for the Doctor and Sarah, but it's a saturation search. Why it's called saturation? I don't know. And then Sarah gets no. up the ladder without any androids near her. She's able to go up the ladder and get and go up to see uh, and rescue Harry and Benton. Uh, Harry and Faraday, sorry. Hmm. There's no androids about. She's able to just get up the ladder. <laughs> Untie them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before Stigran arrives in a minute. Yeah. But um, this is the bit where we get the brilliant bit where the doctor goes in. And pretends that he's the android doctor, so they don't, mm. they didn't question him. And he goes up, says, "Watch out for somebody that looks just like me." And then the android doctor comes in, and they shoot him, or Benton shoots him, and he goes satisfied. Because <laughs> great, because yeah, when he when he bumps in, well, when he meets the the corporal that that threw himself off the cliff in the first, um, the oh, first. Oh, sorry, is it the corporal? Oh, it's a cop, it's a cop, no, 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 I, I, but it, it just reminded me that it, I'm not sure if it's Corporal Benton, but um, he certainly meets the that corporal and he goes, Um, if you see someone that looks like me, come and report it to me, or something like that. And he's just looking yeah. so bemused at him. It's like, well, yeah, and yeah, brilliant line, brilliant line. It's Benton that shoots him, though, I think, is that it? Yeah. When the real, when the when the android yeah he comes shoots in. he does shoot the duplicate doctor so yeah so I think it yeah I think that yeah 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 and uh, yeah and yeah and he, he sort of uh, tears him a new one doesn't he <laughs> basically then we have the the big sort of action but don't we so the jamming signal the guy's just about to turn the jamming signal on because he's created the the device but the android doctor comes in and shoots some. And yeah, and then we have the fight between the two yeah. doctors. Um, I mean, we've already mentioned this, but boy, did they throw themselves around in that fight. I mean, oh. you know, basically launches across that room uh, straight at the, the doctor. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but they... Uh, they must have had something in the tea that day because they were really throwing themselves into it, weren't they? They really <laughs> were. Uh... Yeah, there's come um, quite real looking punches in it. I mm. I think that's. I think it, it shows that. I mean, because what are we now? Sort of. This is the, this is Tom Baker's second series, isn't it? So yeah. we we've uh, the, to this. Uh, this kind of been used to the workway does, but. Tom Tom Baker's a bit more of a street fighter. He's slugging it out, isn't he? Kind of thing. It's you know, hit them where it hurts. Kind of kind of thing. It's very different from John oh, yeah. Burtway. Oh yeah, he's not going ha and doing all this <laughs> neck punching and all this. He's just completely just going full fisticuffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Oh, yeah, because isn't it at this point that Crayford, because because does he, doesn't he see the android doctor shoot um, the scientist guy that, that was about to press the button? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and then it. yeah and and, and then that, that that android doctor kind of um <laughs> he, he's kind of basically goes well yeah well there's going to be a virus that's going to wipe you out anyhow you know kind of thing stigron was just kind of uh yes. you know and and is and this is and this is the point where the elephant in the in the room is revealed i believe <laughs> yeah took the words out of my mouth the eye patch so for god's sake so the doctor actually says, you've been brainwashed, Crayford, blah, blah, blah. Even your eye, have a look. <laughs> and he moves mm. the eye patch from one eye to the other, and he can see. <laughs> For me... There it is, I found it! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, dear God. I mean, the only thing, the only one I think that is worse than this in Doctor Who is the one in Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, where this android oh. fellow was brainwashed to believing he was an android but he was actually human all the time so he never went to the toilet he never um uh, peed or anything you know i, I just yeah it makes yeah. no sense whatsoever no, did, no. did crayford not wash yeah i mean that, that was what i wrote down it's like well, has he not been washing his face <laughs> yeah <laughs> is he just been washing with the eye patch you know yeah um one of the dumbest yeah. things in doctor Trevor. this <laughs> I, yeah, it's to- totally mad and doesn't doesn't make a great deal of sense. And 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 at the end of the day, why 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 is Stigron go? Yeah, you've only got one eye. But you can <laughs> find the other one. I I, I well, why? Because <laughs> he's just he's just a sadistic bastard. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's, that was the thing, though. You know, we've said that before. That you know, I reckon you know he's just going to his mates. He's going, yeah, I told him he's only got one eye. <laughs> <laughs> what a fool. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. I mean, what were they thinking with that? I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, Clifford John, credit to him to make to make it look like it's, uh, you know, credit where credit's yeah. due with the acting. See, yeah, I mean, the one part of it. Pardon? I'm saying uh, <laughs> kudos to Clifford Jones for, for acting here and making it believable that yes, I am a man that's just realised he's I've got my eye back. <laughs> yeah. And Stigron's just been lying to you from day one, basically. None of uh, it was true. <sighs> so the two doctors are fighting and mm. the the doctor manages to turn on the jamming signal and it's and it stops all the androids, jams them. Yeah. I loved how the fact that the fight was so good that the doctor threw uh, the android doctor threw the doctor towards the control just where the control button was. <laughs> he just reaches back. Yeah. He flicks the switch. It looks like yeah. good time. It is, and it, it but but it's really good. good that the... yeah. 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 With the, with the chair above his head. Yeah. I love it. Oh, awesome stuff. Stigrin appears in the rocket and threatens to release the virus. So, mm. unfortunately, though, the doctor or the doctor comes and punches Stigrin, and it's like a kung fu movie, kind of goes up and above himself. Yeah, it proper really, flicks. <laughs> yeah. And the virus is released. It looks like he's got snot on his face. This horrible gunge just comes out. And 
he's like, ah! acting like he's dying and all that. But unfortunately, it's the android because then Stigrin shoots the android. Yeah. And then we have the brilliant twist of, don't know why you're feeling sorry for him, Sarah. It's only an android. Yeah. Poor old Sarah. How many times has she thought the Doctor has been killed in action? I mean... Uh, quite a few it times. <laughs> it happens more, more times than I care to mention. But, uh, yeah, poor old Sarah. Don't die, but... Doctor. I think this was her <laughs> second favourite line in Doctor Who. <laughs> But I, I, I must admit, I really do love those gooey um, uh, effects like that, you know, visual effects where it's all sort of gungy and stuff on his face. I, 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 I don't know, the, the kid in me, the child in me kind of loves, loves all that, a bit of goo, a bit of foam. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how nobody else is affected by it. It's supposed to be like this powerful virus that nobody, the crowds can't, only the androids, and it's one tiny drop goes into this, vile and it's completely deadly but he's able to smash the whole, smash his face on the whole uh, glass and nobody's affected, no humans, no in fact, why on earth did they not design the virus so that the humans are affected but not them he's, he's not thought this one through for being a scientist no, no he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't planned ahead at all has he really because you're thinking because they were going to use this virus to to wipe out humanity in three weeks or whatever it, it was, and another yeah. another weird time frame that they they pulled out of the air. But you know, you think well, they they would have to I don't know disperse it into the air or or something so that it yeah. gets everyone. But the, yeah, but then in the, in the in the fight scene to wrap it all up, it, yeah, it's uh, only if you touch it. We also have the big question that I've got complaints, apparently, to the production officer. How on earth the scene they were going to film a scene which explained how the doctor, the android doctor, was not switched off, but they never had time to film it, so they just didn't put it in. And Barry Letts is on the DVD comment on the DVD feature, basically saying, "Yeah, I was annoyed that I didn't get to film that, but we just thought, ah, nobody will notice." And then apparently, folk, uh sent letters to the production office saying this is this doesn't make sense this is silly how but surely the doctor would have just done something it's on its screwdriver yeah. or, or switched the hang i mean it's, it's, it's with him. yeah 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 Turn, turned it off and on again and it would have been right as rain <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's no explanation to jackie's fleet though so he's out there in the ether in space going right i'm waiting for the signal <laughs> to come in and it doesn't come <laughs> Nah. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. I didn't know, I've never thought about that. Yeah, he's just sat there waiting for the uh, the green light. To, so they've to got all the androids, in. all the people in the village are on this ship, including the doctor, because they've got the, well, they've got the doctor's print anyway in the machine. But yeah, just nothing yeah. happens. So where is he? Is he like at the edge of the solar system? And then he just goes, "I've not got the signal. Um, I'll just go home. <laughs> I'll try to go somewhere else." <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, unless Stigron was the only one that could uh, put an android together, maybe. I don't, I don't, you know. Well, Jadaki was the, the military man, I suppose, but <laughs> you'd think he'd be chapping at the bit. Like, uh, right, let's let's go and attack. No, where's the signal? We've not got it. Oh, right. Oh, oh well. <laughs> to be honest, though, that does feel very in character for Jadaki that, that you go, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, let's just go home. Yeah, have a cup of tea, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. So they talk to Sarah, just walk away at this point. They're just like, okay, bye. 
And um, but there's a yeah. lovely moment with the where he says she says I'm going to go home by taxi, but then he says, "Oh, but well, I thought you were going to come in the Tardis." Hmm. Oh, I'll, why don't I take you home by Tardis? Oh, why? How could I ever refuse? Just a lovely wee moment in the going to Tardis. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that ending to it, but I can't help uh, wondering what if, because it feels like, you know, this is the last time we see Benton and the last time we see Harry Sullivan, and yeah. they don't really get a... They don't even get a, like, see you, Doctor, you know, kind of thing. It, it, there's no departure uh, scene for... for you know, well-loved characters that have been part of Doctor Who for a long, long time. And it, it that feels, uh, it feels a real shame, that does. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> they, yeah, they do a I, dodo. <laughs> Basically head off to the country. Yeah, I was going to, um, to the end, uh, talk about the two, actually, so I'll, I'll leave it to the end if that's all right. We'll, we'll go yeah. to them. Um in the original script, another couple of things I found out is in the original script, the Doctor and Sarah were going to go through a barrier to see the Baron aside the world. So instead of uh, just seeing the fade out when the countdown happens, they were going to get to a point in the village where, oh, it's the edge of the... and they could see aside and beyond it. But I think I know why they got rid of it, because it would have been just the same as Pyramids of Mars, where, the, where they got to the edge of the barrier. Oh, yeah. yeah so no. I'm thinking whether that would have been the reason that they they cut that out. But yeah, apparently they were going to be able to see through the edge of the village. Mm. Yeah, never done the, the OD. Yeah, all yeah. of that, yeah. Pretending there yeah. was a wall there. But the listeners were just doing the miming acting off the, going to the, the barrier. <laughs> as the yeah. crowds would not take, this, this was a crazy idea, this was an original script from Terry Nation. As the crowds would not take any more radiation, 20 to 30 nuclear missiles were going to be exploded above the atmosphere of Earth to create a barrier that the crowds couldn't penetrate. Bar me! Why? <laughs> that surely yeah. would mean that you're basically saying that humanity then couldn't go into space, Terry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there must be some logic in that, but I'm failing to find it right now. I mean, if you put, I'm assuming if you explode the 20 to 30 nuclear missiles above the atmosphere, it would sort of still affect the earth. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be too too great down here, would it? <laughs> to be oh. honest, it's nubbled the bad guys, but it's not it's not done us too much, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, well, I I can understand why they didn't they didn't go they with that. that in. Yeah, the script. Originally, the androids were going to be mirror images, which is how the Doctor would clock in the cliffhanger to part two that it was the android Sarah. So they're going to have like. If the doctor's button was on one side, yeah. then they were going to have it on the other side for the androids. Um, mm. But to be honest, I think that's quite a naff idea. So I'm quite glad they got rid of that. It wouldn't quite have the same impact to me. It would be like, oh, well, he must be an android because he's got a button on the other. You know, I think it's a bit obvious. Yeah. And um, it would have burnt through their budget as well, wouldn't it? Because you, you're <laughs> yeah. doubling up on the costumes all, all the time as well. Or try to do mirror shots or something. They'd have to reverse images and all that stuff. Yeah, it would be too complicated. Yeah, and obviously it'd be dodgy uh, chroma key, wouldn't it? You know, colour separation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would just wouldn't... Uh... <laughs> it wouldn't be done well. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think, I think that, that feels like a couple of decisions that they've uh, 
they've done well to avoid avoid those two <laughs> things. For sure. The, the Krals were originally going to be were originally noted in the script as insectoids. So they're going to yeah. be more like insects than rhino, but the design that obviously Philip Hitchcliffe says that he didn't like, the obviously designer went, I'm just going to create a, a rhino instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can kind of see what Terry Nation was trying to get at there, isn't it? Because the old cockroach, you know, would survive a, a nuclear war and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's true, yeah. It kind of, it kind of makes sense, but you just get the feeling that well, you've only got to go back to the season before and the Ark in Space. Brilliant story, but the women do look like guys in a weird sort of, you know, bug suit, you know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, you never see their feet. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know on a Doctor Who budget whether they could have done that justice, you know, sort of thing. So we're probably better to have had the the, the design that we did did get. But it does yeah. sound quite cool, you know, in the imagination. Yeah. That would be cool, but yeah. This is the first story of a returning companion. It's never been that the companions came back, technically after they've left, as it were. No. No. It's a shame, that he, it's a shame he got this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because otherwise. I suppose. I mean, if you do, you count the brigadier as a as a companion. I, I, most people yeah. don't do they. So you got Mordrian on dead, where he comes back in in the eighties, and then I guess it would be the five the five doctors, wouldn't it? Of, other than this one, you know, with, with yeah. all those returning companions. But wow, yeah, that's really weird that it's not been done before. Like whenever a dodo come back, for example, for a appearance yeah. in a Patrick Troughton story or. <laughs> Yeah, poor, poor Dodo. Poor, poor, poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on the android invasion? Yeah, I mean, uh, as as you probably can guess, I I really love this one. I I you know, yes, it's not the greatest Doctor Who story ever, but it, it's one that I'll quite happily watch and rewatch. It's one of the, it's one of those nice sort of comfortable ones, isn't it? Um, and uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot of merit in it, and I and I, it probably isn't as well regarded as it should be. And I and, and uh, I, we we mentioned this earlier, where um, I think a lot of that is to do that it's in a season where you've got some real bangers like Pyramid, Pyramids of Mars and, and Seeds of Doom and Brain of Morbius. So it's kind of sitting with those and kind of I suppose kind of looking like the run to the litter a little bit. But but I think it it. Um, yeah, it deserves it deserves more praise than it gets. I feel, but that, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very enjoyable. I think, as as I've said uh, <laughs> throughout this one, if you think about it too much, I think it kind of doesn't quite make sense. But if you just see it as a, it's one of the classic Terranation stories where if you don't think about it too much, and it just it's just so enjoyable. It just you just let it flow over you, um, and I think the regulars are fantastic as always. Yeah. They, they're just a well oiled machine at this point and just every story is just this seamless relationship yeah you I, I think you can really understand why um you know a lot of fans look look back on this time as as that golden era of doctor who you know sort of um you know season 12 to, to 14 or whatever you know that there's so many 
so many good stories and the fact that you are you, you've got a doctor that uh has really really nailed the part you know kind of thing and you know initially with Sarah Jane there's that great great chemistry and what have you um perhaps not so great when when Leela comes on board um but she but but then Leela's a really good companion as well um yeah that's more Tom I think uh, yeah getting yeah getting a bit yeah. sulky by that point yeah he wanted he wanted to go solo didn't he but um they wouldn't let him um but yeah you know and I, I, you can I think you know when you think that it's stories like this that are kind of, I suppose, the less well-regarded ones. And you think of how good that standard is, you know, you can understand why people are going, yeah, this is this is peak Doctor Who. This is this is when Doctor Who was at its best. Um, because it was consistently so good. Stick out moment. <laughs> I didn't want to go for the obvious one, but I, I think I'm gonna have to. I I, I think it is that um it's, it's it's cliffhanger um for episode two so you know you where it's where, a great cliffhanger it really is yeah i mean that that dialogue and the delivery of tom you know the, the you know you know that this isn't earth you know this isn't a real this isn't real wood and you're not the real sarah jane all that sort of stuff that's just so good and then you know they're, they're struggling and and the, the 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 front of the android's face comes off and and uh yeah you know cue titles you know i just yeah. think that's such a such a good a good a good scene and it and yeah um yeah it just stands head and shoulders above above all the other scenes in it really i mean i mean there are a lot of other ones but but i think for me that's that's that feels really really iconic and um sums the story up really really well i would go for i think the scene in the pub I just love that scene where the villagers come in and then they come back to life and the clock chimes it. This mm. eeriness, it was just, I just always vividly remember watching it for the first time and just absolutely mesmerised. Just like, what on earth is going on? Yeah. I just, I, I know I keep saying it, but episode one, I think it's just superb. Like, it's mm. just uh, very, I mean, you could imagine episode one as almost like a episode of the Twilight Zone or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Then it just ends on the the cliffhanger, and you're thinking, "What happens next?" <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, uh, I think yeah, it, it, yeah, you're right. That's a that, it, that is a that's a really good scene. Um, you know, again, it's it's so well well done. Um, but yeah, I I, I think uh, you know that just speaks volumes for 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 how good you know this story is you know and, and like you say i think i think it's the, the the probably for me it's the two earlier episodes that are the better of the four yeah i'd say so i think it, when it gets to like the explanations mm. then it sort of falls apart a bit but the mystery yeah. in the first two episodes is just brilliant it's just brilliant yeah but uh yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff <laughs> well before we uh, up, I just wanted to talk a bit about, obviously, as you say, it's the last story of Ian Martyr and John Levine. Mm -hmm. So if we take Ian Martyr first, obviously, Ian Martyr is Harry, it's his last story, and it's just not a very great exit for him. In fact, he doesn't get an exit, really. He just sort of gets untied, and that's it. <laughs> End the yeah, he, he has a final scene yeah. in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, mean, after um, Doctor Who, 
he went on to he done Doctor Who meet Scratch Man. He done that script yeah. with Tom to try and get that film off the the road that didn't happen. And he went on to of course write the Doctor Who novels. He was he yeah. used the word bastard in one of the the books, which yeah. caused apparently a big obviously scandal. Oh my god, the word bastard's in a Doctor Who book. Um he wrote the novel of Splash. Really? Yeah. He wrote a couple of novels for the for films and one of them was Splash, the, the Tom Hank uh can't remember <laughs> the woman's name in it, but Oh wow. Oh but yeah, sad... um, Daryl Daryl Hannah, isn't it? That's that's the, the actress that was in it, wasn't it? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I can't yeah. remember her name. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. he wrote the novel. And uh, unfortunately, sadly, he died of complications from diabetes on his 42nd yeah. birthday in 1986. So he died far too young. Yes. Um, but Harry was a great character, I thought. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, because we only really get one whole season with him, don't we? That uh, Season 12, isn't it? Season and then... 12, yeah. There's terror of the Zygons, and then comes back for this. I always, I've always like, I couldn't understand why they um, didn't continue um, with, with Harry because, I mean, we, we as Doctor Who fans, we always like making all these lists of things, don't we? But you got to, I mean, if you were to say what are your top five Tardis teams. The fourth Doctor, Harry and Sarah's got to be, got to be in there, isn't it? I mean, they, they they're just so good together. You know that chemistry that Sarah and and Tom um, and the fourth Doctor have got, but you've also got Harry in there, and I think he he pairs up really well, whether it's the Doctor or or, or Sarah. I agree. Sarah and Harry have this like he's always a uh, calling her old girl and everything, and she yeah, doesn't yeah. like it. And the bits in um, Sontan experiment, for example. With him and Tom are really good, and yeah. and of course in Genesis when when they're they, they get attacked by the clam, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they obviously they they brought him in because they thought that the Doctor was going to be cast as an older man, so he would be the action man like Ian Chesterton was somebody yeah. like that. But then it turned out, of course, Tom, Tom could do all the stunts, so I think they felt they didn't have enough to offer him but he does a lot in the stories he's in he, he's, he's a good he's does a lot to the team so yeah, they could yeah. have stuck with him quite easily yeah. and, and and i think i'm right in saying that um in retrospect um philip hinchcliffe kind of said we shouldn't have got rid of him as quickly as we did do uh you know and, and i think yeah yeah, yeah i think it worked better than they thought i thought i think yeah uh for sure um because it, yeah, it, I, I I absolutely love him, and 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 I think that, that that's one thing that does kind of knock me a little bit about this story is that it isn't it isn't the send off that he deserves, and, and and you made the point if if he hadn't come back for this, and and it would that his ending was you know the the bit in the woods at the end of Terror of the Zygons, you know where where he's going back on the on the train rather than in the TARDIS, I think. That feels like a nice, a nice conclusion to his his travels with the Doctor. Yeah. Whereas, whereas this here, it, it, yeah, it, it just it just misses the mark from that point of view, you know. Um, but you know, it is what it is, isn't it? That's what we've got. <laughs> he also wrote. Um, I've never read that uh, Harry Sullivan's War book, so he wrote a book, didn't he? Yeah. I've never read it, so I don't know 
what it's yeah. like, but I've heard it's obviously it's written by him and he was a good novelist. So yeah, well, well, that, that's the thing because um, I I love the target novelizations because I, I think f- for me. Um, <laughs> When I was growing up, my dad hated science fiction, so I only got to watch Doctor Who on the TV um, when he was out. So my my sort of my Doctor Who really until the end of Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy was uh, the the beginning of Sylvester McCoy's era. My Doctor Who was the target books. And um, the yeah, I think some of the ones that that Ian Marta uh, novelised are probably some of the strongest of that range. Um, you know, th- there's some some real real corkers in there. And he kind of it was weird because he kind of mocked up some of the stories that weren't that well regarded. You know, like thing things like the rescue and and, and what have you. Um, but yeah, they were they were really really strong. But I I've got Harry Sullivan's War on my shelf, but I've I, I've never read it. <laughs> no, I could I, again I could I couldn't comment on that. But I but I have read you know the majority of the the target novelizations that he he did, and I I believe I I know that he obviously Terence Dix wrote the lion's share of them, but I think he's the next writer with the most novels under his belt. Is yeah. Yeah, I've never read any of the ones that he done. Um, is it? Did he do the Ark in Space? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Because um, uh, is it not that the Ark in Space he writes it quite gruesomely, like the body horror and that is really dialed up yeah. a bit, and yeah, like they're very adult as book. Yeah, because I think at that point Terence Dix was basically um, he was doing that uh, very very basic he said she said kind of kind of adaptions, you know, word yeah. for word, what, what was in the script pretty much. Whereas, uh, likes of Ian Marta, he took those stories and he he kind of expanded on it. And, and you know, um, and I think that's why, I think that's why they stand out as being so good. You know, he, he took the original, the original story and kind of really ran with them all. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, be it as an actor or as a writer, I think he he's left quite a quite a massive legacy for us Doctor Who fans to enjoy. You know, so yeah, it's good. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I agree. It's also the last story of John Levine, of course, mm. as Sergeant or RSM Benton. <laughs> of course, he's uh, got a after Doctor Who. As I say, he gave up sorry acting and he set up his own audio visual company, Genesis Communications. Um. And he's directed more than 45 audio, visual and live events for clients like Ford, apparently. Wow. Um, which I'll be on, I'll be totally honest, it shows you that uh, don't judge a book by its cover, but <laughs> in the bits yeah. I've seen from John Levine in his interviews or, or the character and so on, I was really shocked by that. <laughs> I was, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, but fair play to John Levine. He's obviously a very intelligent man and more than I gave him sort of yeah. credit for, I feel embarrassed now. But I was quite shocked when I read that, but fair play to him. Um, he came back, of course, as Benton in wartime. I've never mm. seen that. Uh, no, no, the I first real-time pictures, I think, one, wasn't it? Before we got yeah. Cove and all the others. And he's been in a couple of the big finished stories. Mm-hmm. And he's been an entertainer on cruise liners. <laughs> and the most, I think the most bizarre bit of, of all, 
he released a music album called The Ballads of Sergeant Benton in 2012. I think I've listened to one or two of them, and I'm, yeah, I, I don't think Adele's going to be worried about him uh, taking over her spot. But uh, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> but John Levine is Sergeant Benton. I mean, he had he was went back. His first appearance was in the Trouton era. Yeah, um, so Invasion, was, wasn't it? I think yeah, Invasion, yeah. And then throughout most of John Pertwee's run the course and uh, came back for this. We love Sergeant Benton, don't we? He was just this lovable character. Uh, yeah. That, was, that we eights always seem to, you know, put down a lot. And we all we were always rooting for Benton rather than Yates, really. Well, certainly I was. No, I, I was the same. I, I, and I think, it, you know, because I, 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 you know... I, I don't know. I think I, I found Benton more relatable because it felt like he came from a <laughs> a working class kind of background, whereas obviously Yates was a, he was a bit posh, wasn't he? He was a bit sort of uh, private, private school educated kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. As well, I thought at times thinking he was going to get using his rank with the privilege and all that. And oh, like, yeah. What a yeah. dick. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know whether that was what influenced me because I think Day of the Daleks was my first uh, VHS cassette that I bought. Or, well, I say I, right. my mum bought it for me. But and if um, you saw that scene, <laughs> thought, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's maybe a, he's that, a dick. I'm rooting for Benton. Yeah, maybe that's why I don't like Yates that that much. You know, kind of thing. Because yeah, he, um, yeah, all, all Benton wanted was a bit of food and a, some drink. You know, what's what's, yeah. what's the harm in that? Yeah, but John Levine even went, got he even got like just in his pants for the time monster. I mean, he, he, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I was, that. I mean, I was, yeah. I was obviously like quite uh, playful about him earlier, saying about you know when he talks in DVD commentaries and things. But he obviously loved Doctor Who, and he loved yeah. his part in the show, and uh, was very grateful he got the part. And uh, it sounds like he had a really fun time. Obviously, he says that John Pertwee was the man, and and all that, and. Um, so yeah, and it comes across on the screen. I mean, he he's having a grand old time, mm. and the brig obviously has digs it up and everything. But he stands. He yeah, we we like Ben. Yeah, because because that's the thing. He, he he's sort of um, if <laughs> a bit of a cliche cliche to to use it, but he's a bit of a sort of working class hero, isn't he? Sort of thing, you know. Because there's so many there's so many moments over his time in Doctor Who where he really steps up to the plate, you know, like uh, the one that springs to mind is, um, is it uh, the dinosaur invasion where he lets the doctor lay him out, doesn't he kind of thing? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah you know, one, yeah. yeah, you, you know, you, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to punch me, you know, kind of thing. And uh, yeah. So you can get away, but uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he, no, he's, he's, he's class. I, I really do like Benton. Yeah, he's. I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I do like Yates, but but, but Benton was my favourite. <laughs> yeah, he's. again, like Ian Martin. I just think it was a poor sort of exit for him, really. Um, again, I mean, I'm trying to remember what his last bit was in Terra de Zygons. I'm assuming he was with the Brigadier when they saw the Tardis dematerialise, and maybe in hindsight that would have been a better exit for the whole of them. To be honest, because they just sort of, it's like a half-assed return in the two stories yeah. in this season. It's just not the same. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, I believe he's very good in it. There's a big Finnish audio that apparently he's very good in. Um, 
can't remember what it's called, Council of War or something. It's it's a companion chronicle. Right. Uh, but I've I've not listened to it. No. Where it's it's like Benton like as the James Bond sort of investigator in it. Uh, it's, and it's supposed to be really good. But yeah, it's just a shame again that it's quite a naff ending for me. Kinda I mean he what's his last bit? Is he tied up in that rocket as well? I can't rec- yeah. No, he isn't, is it? Oh, is no, he? it's his last bit. It's his last bit where he's knocked out in the... Yeah, I think it is. The blinking eyes. <laughs> the blinking eyes, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not really going out with a bang, is it? No. But you think, you know... I mean, the question is, if he had come back for Seeds of Doom, would he have been the guy, that the, the unit soldier that ended get getting composted? Because I don't think I would have wanted Benton to end like that either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that is true, because that was really sort of the Benton part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have liked that. I no, really not at all. Yeah. I'd rather this than that. <laughs> but yeah, and as I say, I've not seen Wartime, um, which is set, I'm assuming, after this. I think it's set after he's retired from the army, isn't it? And he um, he has flashbacks or something. Yeah. Some I can't right remember the plot. It doesn't. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the plot as such, but it doesn't Michael Wisher play his his father in it or something? Yeah, um, yeah, Michael Wisher's in it. Um, um, yeah, I, I think they, those sort of like those videos of the nineties. I haven't really seen a great deal of those. I think I've seen Shakedown and Downtime, and I think that's about it. I've seen Shakedown. I've not seen Downtime. I've seen Shakedown. I, I saw the most of the probe ones. Oh the ones with Liz Shaw, yeah, with Caroline John. Um, the winter, there's two Winterburn ones were written by Mark Gatiss that were. I like them, but I think <laughs> if you look to them now, you know, they've, I think uh, they've aged quite yeah. badly. Dated, uh, but yeah. Yeah. but uh, for the time, it was like, oh my god, there's Liz Shaw's back, you know, and uh, but no, I never saw War Time, but yeah, it's just a shame neither of them got an ex a more a better exit, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because wasn't uh, wasn't it knock knock where the um well you, you would know because you you've done that episode not long ago have you where wasn't wasn't Harry meant to be mentioned in that because one of the, one of the characters was like his grandson or something wasn't it oh knock knock yeah yeah but it but it got cut or something didn't it or didn't yeah didn't it? it wasn't clear whether they cut it or whether they, it was in the script stage they thought I, I believe it was there was a a reference they thought it was too far. Maybe thinking, you know, well, you know, you know, are people going to remember that he's, which is silly, really, if that was the case, because of course they would, because that's Stephen Moffat had loads of references, in fact, probably too many in his error. So yeah, yeah. it would have been a nice sort of touch. Um, but yeah, and of course, the, what we were saying in Note Note when I'd done that one was, uh, of course, the, what, if it had been his grandson, he said, you know, my granddad and, and his and his partner were sealing bits of the Great Wall of China, so were they saying that that Harry was gay? Well, thank you, Dan. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for coming on, and uh, that was really good going through the Android invasion. My, uh, my pleasure. I've loved it. Where, where can listeners uh, find you? Um, yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter. I, I, don't, I, I must be one of the few Doctor Who fans that doesn't have their own podcast. Uh but I'm, I, I am I am on Twitter. I think it's like at 
Devon Dan 03. Some I I I I do do uh, Doctor Who illustrations. I haven't done any for a long, long time, but okay. I normally I normally put them on my my Twitter account. Um, but like I say, um, I haven't done anything for over a year now, kind of thing. Work and life has just got in the way of doing that sort of stuff. But, yeah, yeah, it's I can understand that. <laughs> But um, but yeah, that's that's where where you can find me. Twitter, I, I kind of hang about on there a little bit, uh, liking and uh, reposting uh, other other people's tweets and what have you. Yeah, I mean, as I say, thanks very much for the support, and I know you've been sharing all the the stuff for this, and yeah, much appreciated, man. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you know I can do my little bit in some way because it is a really it is a really lovely podcast. I enjoy listening to it. And I feel, you know, what you know, I kind of go from that viewpoint. If I enjoy it, lots of people will enjoy it, you know, sort of thing. So let's get it out there, you know, and to the to the wider, uh, you know, Twitter universe, as it were. But yeah, oh, thank you very much. No worries. Can I take you back for another one in the future, perhaps? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. If if you <laughs> if you want me back, I'm there. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be in touch. Okay, great. But uh, till next time, I'll just say thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. <laughs>